it's none none of it's good. It's all garbage. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. Cinecast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSense, joined as always by the voice of CinemaSense, Jeremy Scott. Yeehaw! That's right. Oh, all that, right. That's, that's uh, getting us in the mood. I am. <laughs> for some Montana rustling. That's right. Uh, whatever the fuck that is. And uh, <laughs> from Music Video Sense, Barrett Share. What up, everyone? Yeah. And uh, Where the hell did that come uh, from? Not getting us ready right, for Montana yeah, action. Uh, yeah. yeah. It, that's, that's probably about right, though, right? That was the broiest <laughs> greeting you ever did, dude. Like... What up? What up? What up? Your voice lowered like a couple Tell of Tell Slona said what up. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, we're going to go back on our road trip road today. Trip. On the road again. The most time-honored tradition of all, the road trip. Are we there yet? No. Are we there yet? No. Are we there yet? No. Yeah. And, uh, to- yeah. Today we're going to go to Montana. Yeah. What so a big fucking state. Yeah. So you and your wife are the only people from Tennessee who have ever been to Montana. The right? only. Mm-hmm. Actually, some other members of my wife's family. Um, yeah, I've been to Montana. One little specific tiny little part of it uh, near Glacier National Park. It's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It's gorgeous. I, I can't tell you how awesome it is to walk out of your hotel room and see snow-capped mountains behind the Walmart across the street. Oh, yeah. <laughs> also, the day we got there, this was a few years ago, the day we got there, it was 35 degrees and snowing. Mm. And the day we left, it was 75 degrees and sunny. Oh, that's wild. Montana is weird in the summer, man. But it's gorgeous. That was in the summer? It was 35 and yeah, snowing? Yeah, that was in June. Jeez. Wow. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. I, 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 there's some states that I think of as close to Canada. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And for some reason, I don't think of that with Montana. I don't oh, know yeah? why. Like, it, obviously, you know, you look at a map, it's easy enough to see. But, like, there seems to be, like, a, like when you go into Michigan and you go into Minnesota and all that, yeah. there's there seems to be more Canadian influence there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But well, I don't. I guess it's also that we don't see much out of Montana or Idaho or even Washington. Yeah. To really see the Canadian influence. It's also that what the part of Canada directly north of Montana is basically nothing there. Flat layers. No, <laughs> yeah. Basic, yeah. Matter of fact, if you fly into uh, Calgary in Canada, you can see the entirety of Calgary. Yeah. Because it's completely flat, and then it's right next to the Rockies. So yeah. it's. It's hmm. a wild juxtaposition. I need to just one, just like a month, just take and just go to the Pacific Northwest mm-hmm. and hang out and yeah. say, I, and so I can say that I did it. Yep. Well, and you can, you can visit LaRange when you're out there. Yeah. You can visit Jeremy Simser when you're out there. That's right. Um, plenty of good reasons, excuses, if That's you right. will, That's uh, right. to go. But Montana's gorgeous and doesn't have a whole ton of movies set there. Nope. Nope. And we're going to get through them pretty quick. There's also a ton of Westerns there that aren't going to be really mentioned here because we we haven't seen all the Burt Lancaster and John Waynes and Gary Coopers from 1953 or whatever it is. Nor so. do I really want to. Yeah. Yeah, and I love westerns in general, and I I love some of those old ones, but it's just not something that hits my tickle box. You know who? <laughs> <laughs> Don't make me laugh. No idea. 
There's a guy on Reddit who's really angry about how much I giggle on the, on the podcast. <laughs> what? I don't know. Oh, people love hearing you laugh. He'll get over it. But uh, yeah, don't make me laugh so much. Yeah, today. it's a, it's kind of amazing what people do get annoyed about uh, a lot like of times. Like box. It's like, <laughs> it's like uh, really, out of that two hours... <laughs> You zeroed in on that one yes. moment. Yes, huh? I, I do not like your expressions of mirth. Right. <laughs> I hate <laughs> that people are having fun. <laughs> you know who really wanted to go to Montana? Vasily from Hunt for October. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he did. I would like to have seen Montana. Yeah. They let you drive state to state? No papers? Yeah. yeah. No Didn't papers. he want to settle down with like a large-breasted woman or something like that? Yeah, um, he, he did. And then he he's like, in fact, he said... I may have to marry two women. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let's start off here. We talked about Arrival a little bit in the last uh, podcast. Uh, How much of that? Is that all Montana? When when she gets to the the site. Now, I don't know if they actually identified what university she works for. uh, Because I went through that when we were doing the Sens video. And I I tried to figure out where it was. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the site... Uh, the American site that the the ships land is in Montana. Mm-hmm. So all of that surrounding area is set in Montana. Do you think they picked it because there's so much open land out there? Probably so. Although, didn't they have... No, there was one over the ocean. I guess they didn't land in like heavily populated areas across the world. Yeah, I think that, I feel like that's part of it, if yeah. I'm remembering right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. So you didn't have a bunch of like drunk people throwing beer cans at it and shit? Yeah. Well, plus, uh, you know... Denis Villeneuve wanted to have really pretty scenery. Mm-hmm. And, and he got it. He got it, for yeah. sure. That movie's gorgeous. It is. Arrival is amazing. It's one of the best movies of this decade, I would say. I would agree. I think so, too. Probably. Now, you've seen, you've been watching the Sharp Objects thing, as oh, we talked about. Oh, man. I'm dying for somebody to watch that. I'm, I'm, I'm going to start. I'm, I'm either start. crazy or this is one of the best things I've ever seen. And so you would you say that she is even better in Sharp Objects, her performances, than Arrival? Because I think Arrival is almost peak Amy Adams. I I know it's apples and oranges. It is. I feel like what I'm watching on Sharp Objects is going to be career-defined. Mm. It's going to be when we, when we do a montage of her at her memorial in 50 years, 80 years, hopefully. Yeah. I'm not trying to pinpoint her death. Uh, this will be one of the the pieces of work that shows up first is what I'm guessing. Mm. She's fantastic in Arrival. Um, I'm not trying to take anything away from that at all. It's just this is a, this is where I feel like she has finally Meryl streaked herself, mm. where she's she is going to be upper echelon talent forever now. Do you think, going back to her and Arrival, when she gets this story out and the language and the key and all that stuff, mm-hmm. does that mean that now everyone that reads this book has the same ability as she does? Yeah, see, I, I don't know. Like, uh, it, it, it felt like... It, it doesn't seem like it. It felt like because she already, ha- she already had that ability, and that's why she's, you know, that's why, I don't know. It, it always felt like, wasn't she having flashbacks before the she started reading the yes. language and everything? I can already tell you what's going to happen is next Monday when the podcast comes out, Dicer's going to come on Twitter and explain to us what we don't understand right yeah, now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and, and he which probably is, does. Which is yeah. fair, yeah. because I haven't seen the movie enough to really know. My my takeaway was that she was unique in the ability to, to see time the way the heptapods could, and not all Americans could read the not all it can't be it actually couldn't be because then renner would have known what was going to happen to his daughter exactly well that doesn't mean necessarily he would have had the ability to do it just because if if i mean that doesn't mean everybody has the ability to do it 
I mean, it would be, I think, a select few, if the, if any. So not only do you have to understand the language, you have to have some sort of innate I think, ability. I think so. Although that was my take. Some part of the movie also might explain that she's looking at these symbols so much that she started dreaming in that mm-hmm. quote unquote language or whatever. But that, I mean, yeah, I, I think she just had the ability. That's the reason why she was the one. She was sort of the chosen one by the end of it. She's the only one who could really make it. You know understand any of the things that are going on i think of the the broader implications though because it's the movie focuses on just her her daughter and all that stuff but she's able to see like war disaster you know anything happening on the earth market collapse things like that i mean does she save the world essentially or does she make herself rich like biff and back to the future you would think if there were more people who could do it there would have been more who could do it Mm. like that i mean one out of eight billion people are the only people who can like figure this out like maybe maybe there were more but they weren't in the position to actually study all that stuff too Mm. there's always the chance that some kid in india or some kid like you know in the uk knew how to knows how to do this but they didn't understand what it was just like her she didn't know and she had access to all this information as it was coming yeah, she in. Yeah, she, there's that point where she's like, I've been dreaming of this child. Why? You know, and she doesn't know what that, that is or anything until finally she's like, oh, she has her big aha moment. There's probably a few out there that are doing it. It's kind of like X-Men, right? Yeah. You know, there's millions out there. It's just that she would just happen to be in the position to figure out in the- that. In the short story that Arrival is based on, it explains that she has a higher midichlorian. Mm, That's right. (laughs) Those damn midichlorians. didn't have time for the movie to explain that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Arrival's great. We love it. Yeah, Arrival is awesome. Uh, Then there is Call of the Wild, 2009 version. You remember reading this? Jack London? I did. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I remember reading it, but uh, I think it was... Or did I read White Fang? I, I was going to say there were two or three yeah. <laughs> Wilderness Wolf books, <laughs> and I think I read them all. Yeah. Yeah. This is the one where like the wolf-dog hybrid basically shows up like injured, and they take him in, and he becomes like one of theirs, but he hears the, the dog-wolf, wolf-dog, uh, hears the call of the wild, and eventually they have to let him go spoiler mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you motherfucker they're ma- they're making some movie they or it's coming out in either this weekend though the dog movie yeah the one where they have the wolves evolved into dogs yeah, the yeah. very beginning of it or whatever i guess they're gonna it's gonna span over generations because mm. it looks like it starts off with the kids or befriending a wolf in a cave and then it looks like they go through hundreds <laughs> of years of evolution where yeah, the wolf yeah. turned into the dog this yeah. is a movie yeah Wow. It's going to be an IMAX and everything. Oh, is it okay. really? So it's not like, um, wow. okay, that makes more sense than like, I'm picturing like an illumination film. Like, no, 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 it's based on the actual real evolution of, yeah. of wolves into dogs and everything. Well, I will not be seeing. I was going to say, this does not sound very entertaining. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. Um, it, it doesn't look bad, um, what I've seen. Um, I haven't seen it, so I can't say. Uh, yeah, so Call of the Wild, I haven't seen this version. Yeah, this has got Christopher Lloyd in it. It was yeah. uh, 2009. It's perfectly fine. Yeah. I'll watch it with my kid. That's the thing. Like, all these, like, really well-known classic literature, like, have been done 500 times. Mm-hmm. And yep. you, can find, you can find probably 800 versions of this yep. uh, out there. But, uh, yeah, good story. Yeah. Oh, yeah, great story. Uh, Clay Pigeons. I've seen it. I don't remember a thing about it. Oh, Vin- really? Vince Vaughn is in it. Yeah. I've seen it as Joaquin well. Joaquin Phoenix is in it. Vince Vaughn is a serial killer in this. Oh, 
And uh, Joaquin Phoenix is uh, just kind of lout, the just uh, slacker type of guy, which every movie in the 90s was about uh, in some form, mm-hmm. and has some thing with his friend's suicide. And uh, he meets up with Vince Vaughn, who befriends him, kind of like Billy Bob in Fargo, ah. um, and who kills like somebody that he knows. And so the FBI gets involved with Janine Garofalo playing the agent. Mm-hmm. She is a weed-smoking agent. And yes. uh, shenanigans ensue. It's it's funny. Shenanigans? Is it a funny movie? Yeah, it's pretty funny. It's like a dark comedy. I remember liking it okay. Yeah. I don't I don't just don't remember anything. I just the the only thing I remember about this movie, I've said this before, is that there was a, a sort of a triangle of movies starring Vince Vaughn, Joaquin Phoenix, or Anne Hayes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you had Clay Pigeons, you had Return to Paradise, which had all three of them in it. And then you had um, uh, Psycho, which had mm-hmm. Vince Vaughn and Anne Haitian. Yep. So, like, that was that little triangle. Vince Vaughn went through an evil face. He did. This and Disturbing Behavior and Psycho. Yeah, like, this was, was, like, oh, right no. after he did Swingers and, like, like he was trying to do that whole... Wait, yeah, he was trying to rough it. Is it Disturbing Behavior? No, you're thinking about the Katie Holmes one, uh, you, but it's Disturbing... The John Travolta... Uh, Disturbia? No, no, it's no, no. My stepdad is evil um, and beats people up, and John Travolta has to save. We just him. talked about this movie wasn't, not too long wasn't ago. Wasn't he in that? Yeah, that's what I'm talking. But it's not called Disturbing Behavior. That's uh, oh, that- that's that uh, horror movie with Katie Holmes. Yeah, yeah. and, and I'm thinking uh, it's called something Behavior. Drunken, <laughs> drunken behavior, drunken disorder, <laughs> drunken behavior. <laughs> There's a new papa in my mama's bed. What's it called? Domestic, dis- domestic, domestic disturbance. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there's like like if this is uncut there's gonna be a hundred people going it's fucking domestic disturbance those are those are fun moments yeah oh, i know man. because i feel the same way when i listen to podcasts sometimes people are like what is that movie <laughs> Um, oh, yeah. So oh, yeah, clay, clay pitch is pretty good. Yeah, it was a fun movie. All it right. reminded me a lot of you remember U Turn? Yeah. yeah. It reminded me of that kind of story. You know what I remember U Turn for? <laughs> Claire Danes. Well, Claire Danes for sure. <laughs> but the the Johnny Cash song, the Ring of Fire, that always played for the sheriff, uh, yep. Powers Booth. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I feel into. They play that song maybe ninety two times in that movie. <laughs> Claire, Claire Danes does that part where she's like, "Well, how come Pat Klein don't put out no more records?" <laughs> Sean Penn's like, "Cause she's dead." <laughs> oh, man. oh god! What a weird pull. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, then we have Disorganized Crime. Yeah, man. Is this an 80s movie? Don't yes. kid yourself. It's not that organized. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I never saw this. Yeah, 1989. This had Fred Gwynn. Oh. Oh, this is crazy. Fred Gwynn, Lou Diamond Phillips, Ruben Blades. Where the fuck did that <laughs> oh, guy Oh, I know. No kidding. Uh, Corbin Burns and Ed O'Neill and oh. Hoyt Axton. That's definitely a lot of 80s stars. Corbin um, Burnson, who's looking like uh, uh, Walt from Breaking Bad at this point. Ooh. Is he really? Yeah, man. <laughs> like he came, up, he came up in something recently I saw, and I was like, whoa, that's fucking Corbin Burnson. He yes. looks so different. And he looked like, I was like, is that Brian Cranston at first? And <laughs> oh, then, wow. And then whatever. Look him up. Look at look at Kerbin Burnson on the IMDb. Tell me he doesn't look like fucking Walt, or he's trying to be Walt. Speaking of uh, Brian Cranston, did you see the announcement yesterday that he's going to yeah. do a Broadway version of Network? The, oh, uh, no, I'm no. mad as hell, and I'm not going to take it anymore. Yeah. He's going to do that role on Broadway. Oh, that'll be awesome. He's going to knock it out of the... Wow, he kind of looks like Jesus. He looks like the evil stepdad on Entourage. <laughs> yeah. 
You know what I'm talking about? The one that has the hot 25-year-old wife? <laughs> yeah. East evil stepdad or future stepdad. So you've seen disorganized crime. <laughs> yes. What is, what is this about? It's been a long time. They're actually in, I think it's it's a branch of the mob that goes to, to Montana to rob a bank. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's 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 riding a line between like actually trying to be a heist film and trying to be a, a comedy mm-hmm. and i don't know if it ever really succeeds at, at either of them mm-hmm. but the performances it seems like everybody's having a good time so you know i enjoyed it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and then we have the horse whisperer yeah. which uh was scarlett johansson's first movie i remember reading a a great deal about her before that movie came out because she was like some big discovery. Yeah. And, you know, obviously she's gone on to have an awesome career. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Robert, yeah. Robert Redford directed and starred in, and I think Kristen Scott Thomas. Yeah. It's pretty goddamn boring. Have you seen this movie? Yeah, I've seen it. Well, yeah. this was a big, one of those big books, yep. like, uh, you know, Bridges, Bridges of Madison, of Madison County, County that yep. was on the bestseller list forever. <laughs> this one has a lot less adultery. <laughs> it has a lot less adultery. Any accidental incest? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I saw it once. I remember being bored to tears. Uh, and I like horse movies. Oh, yeah. No, I think it's great because, uh, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a simple story. It's like uh, she gets injured and her buddy, who I think is Kate Bosworth in this movie, Mm. um uh yeah Kate bosworth yeah. yeah she gets killed so like the horse is all crazy now and scarlett johansson i think it's like a foot amputated or something like that and so to fix the horse redford has to fix her too mm-hmm. so it's a it's a nice adorable story and mm. lots of nice scenery and stuff like that and then they would later uh star in uh captain america winter soldier together that's right yeah well, that's um, the rest of the story. That's the rest of the story. So I've been watching this show. This is as good a time as any. Um, on Paramount Network, uh, Yellowstone, mm-hmm. starring Kevin Costner. Uh, surprise, Wes Bentley. Mm-hmm. Um, is he really? In- he is in this. Um, <laughs> and had a career. Res- yeah, yeah, Taylor, Taylor Sheridan wrote, and I think he's directed every episode so far. And it has just continued to get pulpier and sappier. And like there was a scene last night where so Costner is this cattle magnate basically he owns more land and more cattle than anyone in montana um and at one point he's driving in last night's episode and he sees a bunch of asian tourists out in the field gaping at a grizzly bear and he walks out there and instead of like trying to save them from the bear he starts yelling at them about how they're trespassing on his land Hmm. one of the tourist guys yells something in a language and it's interpreted to him as he says uh it's it's criminal for morally wrong for one man to own this much land because costner does this whole from that mountain to that mountain is all my land and costner says in the most serious way possible this is america we don't share land (laughs) and it i'm not going to stop watching please don't (laughs) misunderstand what i'm saying i am having the time of my life but the uh, the quality has dipped for me seriously and it's become this really expensive soap opera Mm -hmm. um because the guy from hell or high water the the jeff bridges partner oh yeah is one of the main characters he's like the head of a native american um basically think tank kind of Nonprofit mm-hmm. that's trying to basically preserve land as much as possible. In the in the premiere, I should have known. In the premiere of this show, Costner is mad about a subdevelopment going in, and so he literally dynamites a new path for a river to take to ruin the development <laughs> plans of the subdivision. Nice, literally dynamites a new river. Yeah, uh, that's the kind of show we're watching. But it's set in Montana and it's gorgeous. Nice, it looks beautiful. But this show could be subtitled. Uh, obsessed with horses 
Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like there have been multiple scenes about horse training mm. and and hor- and cowboy training. There's like a new greenhorn on the ranch in one episode, and they literally duct tape this motherfucker on the wildest horse <laughs> and leave him there for eight hours. <laughs> so he's broken and bloody and bruised when he's done, and the horse is finally broken. Wow. Like, but last night there was an episode with his daughter trying to learn to ride, and the horse kept bucking her off because she was gripping too tight because she's too anxious. Mm-hmm. I don't even know why I started talking about this. It's set in Montana, and <laughs> it looks gorgeous. I cannot recommend you watch this show. Because you'll be now mad you're at invested, me. Though. You'll yeah. be mad at me if you it's do. It's a wreck of worn. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. a wreck of worn. And it's already been picked up for season two. I have no idea where they're going to go. Um, but yeah, it's probably the most Montanaous thing I've ever seen. I'm down with like prairie porn and like you know mountain porn and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, if you then you should probably at least check out yeah. an episode or two because uh, it's chock full of that stuff. Yeah, and uh, the the brother guy from the Fifty Shades series is playing one of Costner's sons. Hmm. Remember the brother in the Fifty Shades series? <laughs> uh, yeah, he's the one that that got married to yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the best friend. Yeah, yeah, there All you right. go. Yeah, the brother guy. <laughs> Um, I tell you who else is in the horse whisperer, uh, Sam Neill. He ah. finally got to go to Montana. Actually, <laughs> he nice. got to go to Montana in Jurassic Park, which is also listed here. We've talked That's about right. Jurassic Park. Obviously, we talked about it in Hawaii, I believe, because they shot a lot of the, uh, the park mm-hmm. on Hawaii and everything. Uh, and we Jurassic- talked about it on our episode we did for Isla Nublar. Uh, yeah, exactly. When we, yeah, when we went there and we talked about all the movies that were set there. Um, but there was Jurassic Park. There's also Jurassic Park 3. You know one the of- Montana scene that one of the only Montana scenes in Jurassic Park. I, had, I went back and watched this again. It, so the little kid is being annoying to Alan Grant. Mm-hmm. And he's, yeah, he's being a dick. Right. Yep. But he's also like, I don't know. Looks nine, like an ten. oversized turkey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Grant fucking goes over there and essentially just. It oh, fucks with them. He yeah, ends that. <laughs> that <laughs> kid like, is over. He's like, but maybe you know it would hit you that's like this. Exactly his character arc, right? He doesn't like kids. Yeah, but that's and brutal, man. He's like, it's brutal. But <laughs> your intestines will spill out. It's brutal, me. but I think it's also true. I don't think it's like you know, it's like anything that hasn't been done before <laughs> or whatever. True. And he, he's 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 sitting there talking to Laura Dern, saying, you know, I don't like babies because they smell, you yeah. know, and all that, and <laughs> and he's, babies do not smell, and he's like. Or kids do not smell. It's like, well, baby smell. Um, but all that. And yeah, I can I can see that. It just goes to show that he doesn't like kids. And then he grows during right. the movie. And uh, you see how good of a father he could be. Because he's he's never had kids around. Whereas in Jurassic Park 3, he has no arc whatsoever. No. Uh, so that was Joe Johnston that did it that, did. right? Yeah, it was. I don't remember anything about oh, Jurassic Park I just watched it a couple days ago. Is there any redeeming qualities to it? Um... I remembered it not being the worst thing I had ever seen. This is basically the best I could say about it. Yeah. I mean, I would watch it before I watched Jurassic World. It has that. Yeah. It yeah, has yeah. that one like memorable moment where Grant is having the uh, the whatever. What is it? he's he's on the plane and he's knocked out and the no, he and the raptor starts talking to him. Yeah. Alan. <laughs> Alan. <laughs> yeah, they introduced that spinosaurus purple dinosaur that was way See, bigger than t-rex this was the jurassic park that was supposed to implement or either either this or lost world was supposed to implement that one from the book that could uh 
blend in oh, with the surround. Yeah. yeah. And uh, never really got to that. Not mm-hmm. even not even in Jurassic World where they're you know they may, suddenly the fucking big ass dinosaur disappears. Yeah. With the dumbest fucking thing ever. Uh, th- you know, th- it would be really cool to just be like just cu- like hiding in the yeah. in the thing and be like Predator and shit mm-hmm. going through there. That'd be yeah. awesome. You know, I mean, Predator meets Jurassic Park. Yeah, yeah. I'm in. It's yeah. gonna happen. I'm sure. As much as I complain about shit, I should not say I'm in for that. <laughs> I really should not. But uh, Jurassic Park three had, uh, I guess it was more pterodactyls and stuff like yeah, they that. They had the aviary scene. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's not really much. I I think that no. There's really not a lot to praise, but there's not a lot. I don't think there's that much to criticize. Well, there's got to be a, a drop in quality because obviously it wasn't based on a Crichton book. The first two were. Right. There's no Spielberg. Um, yeah. You got and Tommy I, Tomasino in here. Is Ian Malcolm in this at all? Is Jeff Goldblum in there? No. Laura Dern's in one of the early scenes because he like goes over to have dinner at our house or some shit. Uh, just for, I don't know, cameo and she needed 50 grand or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, no Ian Malcolm. Uh, and then we, William H. Macy and Taylioni are. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And then Michael Jeter is leading the. Michael Jeter is leading the mercenary crew because uh. you, when you think of Michael Jeter, you think mercenary. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then yeah, yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah. Well, aren't uh, Macy and Leone the uh, the money people in this? They're the parents of the kid. The stepdad. They're divorced. The stepdad took the kid to Costa Rica, as you do. Bought a parasailing around the dinosaur island package as you do and they're literally the boat gets attacked by well it's too smoky for you to really know <laughs> uh, but they're looking down they come through and then there's no more no one driving the boat anymore and they get de- detached from their line and they parasail onto the island somewhere and stepdad dies ah. and kid lives alone for i don't know three months what happened so Taylioni and uh they just bald face lie to his ass they basically they say, we've gotten permission to fly over the island. We're super rich. He's not. He owns like a tile store. And um, we want you to be our guide and point out the dinosaurs and the whatnot because the government's given us permission. It's all just a big lie. Oh. They fucking land the plane like 30 seconds after they get there. And he's just like, what? You can't land. Then, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, it's not not very ridiculous. We've already talked way too long. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, then we have knock around guys. This, I never saw this either. Mm. Um, oh, yeah. This was, uh, but uh, notable because Brian Koppelman and David Levian, the creators of Billions, did this movie. I saw this. Oh, movie. and also Rounders, right? And uh, Rounders is yeah, and uh, and then um, and it's notable only to me because somebody I was working at Hollywood Twenty Seven at the time, and we had a sneak preview of it, and somebody built it wrong, so it went through like I think a third or fourth reel, the soundtracks were switched. Yeah. Hmm. And so it was like one of those things where it's like, uh, everything's cool, and then all of a sudden you just, you know, just terrible... So we had to fix that shit during the sneak yeah. preview. That's the only thing I remember about All it. those fans that were ready to see their knockaround guys. Well, that's on the thing about night. sneak previews. They're always sold out. <laughs> I mean, they have people. I mean, people come out of the fucking woodwork to see something free. Yep. Well, I mean, they had, I guess Vin Diesel wasn't as big as he became. Years well, this is 2001. 2001. This is the Fast and the Furious had come out. That's true. So yeah. he, he and, and you know, he, he I think he was fairly well known, Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, and Barry Pepper, too, from Saving yeah. Private Ryan. Uh, and, Seth Green, John Malkovich, Dennis Hopper's in this. Yeah, uh, so uh, a huge cast. I don't remember anybody saying it was all that good. It sucks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It sucks bad. It's not, like, I think, if I'm remembering it correctly, like, Seth Green is supposed to be the comic relief. Mm-hmm. 
but he's not that funny. He's not allowed to be that funny. Oh, yeah. John Malkovich is trying to be like the badass hitman, as a John Malkovich character mm-hmm. would be. And they fucking kill Seth Green. Like oh, yeah. Oh. Well, there goes us ever getting Brian Cobbleman on the podcast. <laughs> Brian Cobbleman has his own podcast. It's called The Moment, by the way. It's uh, really, yeah, that's right. really good. Interesting. Um, and, uh, I mean, he's done a lot of great stuff he has, since, yeah. uh, before and I'm since. Sh- I'm sure if you asked him honestly about knockaround guys, he'd give you, you know, like, you know, well, you know, like some proud about some things and yeah, some other yeah. things I'm not so proud about, yeah, probably. Yeah, um that's then, by the way that's how i describe every single time i have sex yeah that's like, true it's not good I'm proud of some things i did <laughs> yeah exactly not, not proud of how some things right. turned out end result was fine though the um <laughs> the uh last of the dog men yeah you remember this i do i don't think i saw it uh was this was uh was it tom berenger yes that was in this? yes and kurtwood smith yes wow and uh barbara hershey <laughs> barbara hershey uh and it's and it's uh native american uh like uh is it is this like a white people versus native americans it's exactly what it is yeah so the dog men are like this tribe that has essentially been run out of existence uh from from white culture and mm-hmm. they they'll kill anybody that knows what what they are or what, what you know where they are or anything like that so it's incredibly dangerous and you don't want to get involved with them and all that stuff Beringer is a bounty hunter that's trying to to catch somebody but that person was killed by the dogmen so he's got to somehow interact with the dogmen and it's a whole thing mm-hmm. it's it was interesting i saw it once mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's, it's a possibility I even saw this and mm. just don't remember much about it's it. It's not memorable. The scenery is really beautiful, though. Yeah. Um, My name Tab Murphy directed it. Yeah. Tab. 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 Mm-hmm. Hey. Must be short for Tabitha. I'll, or take, I'll take a tab, please. Yes. we got to uh, order something. Here's a movie that everybody in the fucking world talked about in the 90s, and I still haven't seen. It's mm. The Legends of the Fall. Oh, you oh. haven't seen it? Nope. Oh, wow. wow um it's just nature porn really and, it is and like i i hate love my family basically mm-hmm. right like the complex relationships of men in your family and this is the one with aiden quinn right mm-hmm. and uh brad like pitt anthony hopkins anthony hopkins has like some kind of like facial disfigurement yeah i think so uh yeah this movie just i don't know how long it is it, i could look it up right now it feels like it's six hours long, though. Well, it is. That's part of why. <laughs> and all I remember is everyone, literally every character in the movie sleeps with Julie Ormond. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Even Anthony Hopkins. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's uh, E.T.'s in this. Uh, Henry. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Henry Thomas. <laughs> Who has also played a serial killer think, of the week on Criminal Mind. I think, oh, it's, yeah? I think it's E.T.'s monster he plays. <laughs> <laughs> E.T.'s monster. Um, yeah, th- I mean, this was one of those that, Edward Zwick of uh, mm-hmm. of Glory and Courage Under Fire uh, fame got this. The, the, I, I seem to remember this more for the cinematography. Like mm-hmm. this is uh, John Tall is one of those legendary cinematographers. He's won two Oscars. He won for this. Um, but uh, he used to be like on that list too. Like just every year, John Tall. I think he got nominated like three or four times in a row mm-hmm. or something. He did Braveheart. Um, yeah, there are a lot of housewives and house moms that watched Legends of the Fall for the cinematography. And that's right. That's correct. Uh, <laughs> Brad Pitt, man, he was fucking foxy in yeah, this movie. I would do him. Yep. 
Well, that was like the other day, Thelma and Louise was on, mm-hmm. and, I, and that's one of those movies you can pick up anywhere and just start watching it. I was surprised how many people were in that. Yeah. I had forgotten that like Harvey Keitel was in it, and uh, Christopher McDonald played uh, uh, Gina Davis's husband oh, in it, and, wow. um, oh, and all that. But uh, yeah, Brad Pitt comes in, and I'm like, damn, I think I'd have sex with mm-hmm. Brad Pitt mm-hmm. in Thelma and Louise. I yeah, think man. that would be yeah. that like, if I could accomplish that. Good looking fellow. Well, yeah. Isn't the thing in this movie like one of the brothers goes off to war? They all go off to war. Well, one of them stays because that's when he hooks up with Julie Ormond, who was married to whoever went off to war. Oh, that's true. And then there's another. Isn't there another girl that everybody sleeps with? Yeah. And- I saw this like somewhere in the last three or four years uh, because, like Chris, I had never gotten around to seeing it and wondered what the fuss was about. There's no reason for the fuss. No. I mean, it's a pretty movie. Everybody cries. Good looking people in it. Uh, Everybody hurts. Everybody hurts. Everybody hurts. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Then we have Open Range. Kevin Costner again. Fucking awesome. I caught some of this recently, by the way. Michael Jeter again. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Interesting. This is a good movie. I haven't seen it since it came out, though. It is. It's fantastic. Um, And Annette Bening's in this. Mm -hmm. She plays basically the doctor's sister and the doctor's out of town doing other stuff. So every time somebody in this movie gets injured, they're taken into Annette Bening's house and she's like nursing them back to life. That's how basically she and Costner and Duvall start interacting. Uh, And it's basically Michael Gambone is the the gene hackman of this western he, town he's the, yeah, yeah, he has the, all the money he yeah. calls all the shots <laughs> and they don't want no goddamn free grazers <laughs> now i imagine this was probably a legitimate hot issue at certain areas back in this time mm-hmm. where if you were if you had a town and you had a farm you didn't want people kind of just randomly coming onto your hill and eating your grass and moving on with their cattle but that was a the thing there were free grazers people who move around and that's what Duvall and costner are they have a crew big guy don't remember his name adrian ben ruby mm. i know yeah, yeah abraham ben ruby. abraham ben ruby yeah um and then they have a kid don't remember his name seen him in other stuff is abraham ben ruby the parker lewis can't lose guy yes okay yeah. oh yeah <laughs> i mean he didn't play parker lewis <laughs> yeah he, no, played, he played his the friend big guy, yeah. yeah um and uh basically a little bit of violence between the townsfolk and these free grazers leads quickly to a killing um uh, there's so much awesome shit. There's a scene in the middle of this movie where it's pouring rain. The streets of this town are goddamn rivers. And Costner and Duvall stalk into town and everyone is in this bar, including like all the evil people that hate them. And oh god, there's such great conversations. Uh it's it's just a meaty ass western and Duvall at his best. Like grumpy, cranky, lovable dad Duvall. And then there's just a, a killer 20 30 minute shootout at the end that if you like okay if you've seen uh 310 to yuma mm-hmm. you like that shootout at the end of that movie um you should watch the, uh, the shootout at the end of this movie. I yeah think this, this is a movie that's kind of lost to time i think could have done better probably had costner been able to figure out how to do it after dances with wolves yeah because by the time 2003 rolls around his name isn't what it used to be right and so he could come out with something badass like this and nobody would see it. Nobody saw this movie. I saw it on a Thursday. This is another problem with how many movies I've seen over the years. I, I, most of them are Thursday night. Yeah. 
I saw this. It's a long movie. Yeah. Uh, I saw this and I, re- I really enjoyed it, but like it had, it escaped my head immediately afterwards. Yeah, it and, is it, and, so it, long. and it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be that way because yeah. the movie's really good. Um, uh, yeah. So far, I, that would be one of my strong recommends from this Montana nice. batch. I, I like me some Michael Gambon. Um, yeah. Well, he's especially good when he's evil. Yeah. Like, I thought he was a great. Uh, Dumbledore. I thought he was too, because he was kind of a little bit evil. Yeah, like he had a little darkness to him. Uh, but you yeah. give him, let him go full evil, he's just gonna, he's gonna yeah. chew it. The insider. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, then we have uh, the Revenant. Uh, uh, a recent entry into the uh, Montana filmography. And another movie yeah. that has gotten lost to time somehow in three years. Yeah, I'm telling you, man. I, you, and you don't see this played anywhere. You don't see it on Netflix. You don't see it on Amazon. It may be on Amazon, but it's definitely not on Netflix or anything like that. Not highly promoted. I'm, I mean, I'm they won sad. a fucking Oscar. Okay, so how many Oscars did this win? Leo won. A bunch. It was nominated for Best Picture for Inuritu. Yeah, I'm sure the in, cinematographer Inuritu was. won, he but, but he, he won as director, Yeah, right? but uh, the uh, the movie did not. I think it's going to, sadly, I think it's gone down in the public consciousness as that Leo Oscar movie. Yeah. When it was already kind of unfairly painted as that before it even came out. No, there's so much going on in it. You've got Tom Hardy. You've got the the fact that it was shot in all natural those, light. Uh, those tracking shots. The tracking shots. Are, the sound. I mean, people like to brag about the children of men tracking shots and one shots or apparent one shots, and they're awesome. But that all that shit is done in The Revenant, maybe even better a couple of times. When he jumps off that fucking cliff yeah. and we go with him, have you ever <laughs> seen anything <laughs> no, like that? Well, until Mission Impossible did the... Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, That's as close yeah. as, as it gets. And now it's just basically been reduced to that movie where Leo mumbled his way to an Oscar. Yeah, and that's wild, man. Yeah, that, that beginning shot, that first shot is a big old one shot. It is. Yeah. Where it goes through and it shows the, the attack and yep. all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Man, yeah, it's a good movie, and yeah, I mean, who knows what, I don't know what, it is. it's not a movie that people want, because the grizzly bear attack is one thing that people just, you know. It's hard to watch. It's hard to watch There's that type of stuff. There's some stuff in here that it's hard to watch, yeah. just in general. And and knowing that DiCaprio went through a lot of shit in real life to do this, you know, I mean, it's, so it won three Oscars, mm-hmm. DiCaprio, Inuritu, and then the cinematography by Emmanuel Lebesky won. Man, um, yeah, that's justifiable. Yeah, justifiable. but it was Spotlight that beat it as far as Best Picture, and um, and that's just, a, it's really strange to me. It, uh, Spotlight's good, <laughs> but I don't think it's Revenant good, you know? Oh, really? I think, I think. I would vote for Spotlight. Over really? Revenant. Over the Revenant? And I love both of those movies, but I love me some but Spotlight. Do you think that Spotlight is a great movie or just a good story told well? I think it's both. I think it's both. I think all of those performances work really well together. Uh, the accents are nailed. The characters are nailed. The doggedness of the reporters are nailed. Uh, somebody found a way to use Rachel McAdams in a, in a good way. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Keaton is a badass. Like It, it paints a portrait of this society of dogged reporters, mm-hmm. these spotlight people that just will simply not give up. And Mark Ruffalo's coming in on like every single day and like, you got to take a day off. No, that kind of thing, obviously completely different. They movie are different than, movies. Than you can't really compare, but like, I feel like cinematically the Revenant walks all over the spot. Cinematically. The yes. Um, obviously dialogue in the, in spotlight is, is fantastic. I think the story and the scope of the story, even though it's a contained movie, I think moves me more than uh, Hugh Glass 
um, trying to to ultimately get to his kid or whatever. Huge ass. <laughs> um, all right. No, I, I can see that. You're wrong, but I see yeah, it. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just so disappointing from Barrett today. Like Jane, Spotlight. you ignorant slut. Who directed Spotlight? That was uh, Tom McCarthy. Yeah, that's right. Who yeah. was a uh, he's a longtime actor. He's on The Wire. Mm-hmm. Uh, he played that reporter who fudged the stories on The Wire. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then he's directed a few other things. I think he might have been an actual reporter. Hmm. I think that's oh, part of his. He might have been. That makes sense. I think he was an actual Baltimore reporter. And then he turned to movies. Well, stuff. I mean, I know half of the like drug slinging uh, characters on that show are like authentic Baltimore people. Like mm. the 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 female hitman who buys the nail gun. Like she was a real like gangster. Like, oh, for real for real. She's also dead now. Um, but yeah, she was plucked off the. St- never acted. Hmm. She's just an actual real gangster. Wow. They did that a lot. Not seeing him actually being a writer on IMDb, but I know that one of those guys was. Uh, oh, it was might have been. It was the chief, wasn't it? Might have been. It that, might have been the chief guy. And he's a, he's also done a lot of acting too. But um, but the guy who actually was like the the boss who was telling everybody what they had to do, but knew what they really should be doing. Yeah, that guy uh anyway um on to a river runs through it another robert redford movie this has brad pitt as well yeah brad pitt was into montana in the 90s yeah man man. uh and uh was it uh who was i I get two guys confused they look exactly the same sasha jensen from days and confused (laughs) and this other guy who i think is in a river runs through it craig sheffer craig sheffer craig sheffer yeah he looks like (laughs) sasha jensen from days and confused right yep uh and they both have these same kind of career where they're like <laughs> there's times i have missed i've misappropriated both of them but this is uh one of the first ones where brad pitt was really heavily featured and like as the sex symbol yeah yeah because right? this was 92 mm-hmm. and girls my age were going fucking gaga over this guy yeah that's why this movie was popular again i mean mm-hmm. i could easily confuse this movie and the last one we just talked about in Montana with Brad Pitt and Aiden Quinn that I can't Legends of the, the Fall. Name. Legends of the Fall. <laughs> yeah, Those I two movies too. could be intertwined, I could too. and I wouldn't be able to tell the difference. I don't know, man. I, I haven't seen Legends of the Fall. That's why I can't confuse the two. But, <laughs> but, uh, but I really like A River Runs Through It. I really like I mean, it's, it. I think it, at times it can be just too slow, maybe. Huh. But, I haven't seen it in forever. But I really enjoyed it. Because um, Brad Pitt's such a fuck-up in this movie. He is. Mm-hmm. Um and uh and it, yeah I mean it's it does have long se- sessions of them fly fishing and yes. shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, but it's I, I really I really really liked it. Um, Interesting. Uh, then there's a uh, shooter. Is this oh, the, is it Mark Wahlberg? Yep. And then later. Um, Brian Phillippe on TV. <laughs> yeah. That show's on like its third or fourth fucking season. Is it really? Yeah. Yes. Wow. Shooter also has uh, Kate Mara in it. That's right. And uh, I remember something about Kate Mara being shot in a way because she plays the 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 widow of Wahlberg's buddy mm-hmm. that gets killed in combat, and of course they end up you know having a relationship later on. But there's there's some shot in there. Where it like lingers on her boobs, and I, I don't know if she like is wearing like a see through shirt mm-hmm. or something like that. But there's someone, one shot that I was like, I'm not like complaining, but it's also like this is very very obvious. Mm. Do we really need to be this obvious about mm. it? Yeah, it's Antoine Fuqua. 
Uh, Antoine uh, Fuqua did this? Yep. Boy, he's had a weird career. I saw this movie. I actually kind of like this movie. How did you guys pronounce that? I said Anton Fuqua. It's Fuqua. Yeah, Antoine Fuqua. Yeah. <laughs> Antoine Fuqua. Yeah. I was like, I'm not. I, can't, I was. I, I was about to let that go, and then I was like, Did I just hear Fuqua? Yeah. Uh, but uh, so he's he learns of a plot against the president, and mm-hmm. then he has to go on the run. Is he? Is it because he's suspected, or is it because he knows it and the bad guys know it? No, they set him up. Yeah, Yeah, they set him up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the only person. That's the only way these movies go. Yeah, yeah. He's got to be the suspect. Only one man could have made that shot. Exactly. He knows about the Coriolis effect and all that bullshit. (laughs) And so he's got. (laughs) So he's got to hide out in Montana. And his name, Bob Lee Swagger. That's right. (laughs) Oh Jesus. That's right. That's not made up. I saw. I think Mark Wahlberg may be on an intentional, like path. To create as many mediocre films as possible. Like, do you see this mile twenty-two he's got coming up? He's the weapon. He's he's the he's the last resort. This is like the most generic ass-looking action movie I think I've ever seen advertised. Yep. And it's Peter Berg again. Yeah. This is like their fourth <laughs> fucking movie together, and they're all perfectly average. I've seen all of them. The Lone Lone Survivor, Survivor, Survivor yeah. the Deepwater, Deepwater Horizon, Patriots Day, and this bullshit mile twenty-two. It's going to be the same, and they're fucking misusing the dude from the raid again mm-hmm. oh really yes he's gonna be he's gonna be peterberg in that movie and oh. not allowed to they're basically gonna force awakens his ass i get the sense that peterberg has talent but he just i don't know he doesn't use it to the fullest extent maybe he's like the directing version of uh eric roberts where he just likes to keep working yeah, yeah. like he doesn't he, really have a genre he cares about doesn't really give a care if it's a b plus or an a plus he just keeps churning put, mm-hmm. uh you know he's got a, a little bit of a style and very bad things and he's gonna um you know friday night lights had his th- his fingerprints all over even the the tv show was played yep. out like a peter berg yeah it's very interesting oh yeah okay that makes sense kate you just said that that uh Wahlberg's name was uh bob lee swagger in this mm-hmm. I can I can answer the, the Kate Mara thing. Her name is Sarah Sweet Titties. That's the reason why <laughs> they no, it's not. That would have been awesome. <laughs> it's not. Sarah Sweet Titties. <laughs> Sarah See Through. Um, oh dear. Um. Then we have Star Trek: First Contact. Oh, I know. I know. Jeremy knows this movie. Oh, this I've movie. Seen is, it. Oh, like a big happy wet kiss. Me too. I love it. Now, I would say I would argue almost half of this movie takes place in Montana because mm-hmm. all the stuff on Earth is Montana, uh, and that's where Cromwell is, and he's great as this drunk who never intended to make any kind of history. Um. And it's got the Borg element. The best, one of the best things the next generation ever added to Star Trek canon was the Borg, mm-hmm. uh, and they're they're used perfectly in this. There's time travel. We get Alfred Woodard in here to banter back and forth with Picard. We get that famous scene where he's like, "The line must be drawn." <laughs> <laughs> but like right before that, Alfred Woodard has this great line where she's like, "Jean-Luc, blow up the damn ship," <laughs> <laughs> because he could win if he would just blow up the Enterprise, but he doesn't wanna because he's stubborn and he wants to beat the Borg with his brain or with a Picard thing and not just blowing up the ship. Uh, everybody, this is, uh, William Frakes directed this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, he had directed a bunch of... Or is it Jonathan? Jonathan Frakes. Yeah. Jonathan William Frakes. Jonathan... <laughs> Will Riker's his yeah. character. This is Christian and Nick. Jonathan Frakes directed yeah. this. Um, he directed a lot of episodes of the show. All the actors play their roles great. Everybody's got a little something fun or interesting to do. Data gets that whole thing where he's kidnapped by... Um, oh, the actress we just talked about. 
Uh, Alice Creek. Alice Creek. Uh, and gets like turned into a Borg. But surprise, he was faking. He was faking yeah, the da, whole time, da. right? Yeah. yeah, we get a spacewalk with Worf and Picard <laughs> and spacesuits walking on the outside of the Enterprise. This just has everything I want. Is this this is the one where they, they have to, they do blow up the Enterprise, right? Because it's another one of those fucking movies. But they end up crash landing or something on a planet, don't they? No, that's all the other ones. Yeah, all the other ones. <laughs> This, this is, is the one where the only one. But, but they have to use they have to use a rocket that James Cromwell's built, right? Yeah, but James Cromwell's the one that uses it. Jordy and and Riker go on the trip with him because historically this was first contact. This Let's rock and roll. Yeah, yeah, and you get that. I like big names. Exactly. <laughs> Perfect use of that song. Yeah, it's and awesome. of course the Vulcans are out there watching. They see the first uh trans warp flight from earth and that's when they come down and make contact mm. with cromwell and so the federation all of our enterprise people are trying to preserve that history because the borg have come back in time to keep it from happening mm -hmm. so if first contact never happens the federation never exists and they win by changing the past and this was another star trek that after a a shitty star trek came yes. out they came it's like a, that every even number yep. star trek thing because generations, generations was right yeah. yeah yeah generations was right before this mm -hmm. and then this and then well that then everything falls to shit no insurrection is somewhere in there oh uh, no nemesis. what's that for first nemesis was after first contact nemesis was the, yeah, last nemesis was the last one so somewhere was insurrection that's f murray abraham uh-huh that's the one nobody wants to remember it's even worse than Nemesis. At least with Nemesis, you can watch Skinny Tom Hardy. Um, but with Insurrection, there's nothing to nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. First Contact is great if you like Trek at all, uh, and you haven't seen it. Uh, I think it's it's probably one of the three or four best Trek movies. Mm -hmm. I agree. <clears throat> and then we have Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. I've seen yeah. this. Have you seen this? Yeah. Uh, what do you think? Uh, I was recommended it a few years ago and i watched and i was like i don't like it as much as this person does yeah but i like it it's it's interesting because it is a little bit more of a light-hearted clint eastwood mm -hmm. um it's super hippie uh jeff bridges yeah uh in like a pretty early role because this was what 74 76 yeah, 74 and um, uh, michael michael cimino directed it oh that's right and george kennedy is in it too right mm -hmm. uh yeah. cool he was in cool hand luke He's got this weird habit because he's he's kind of like competitor, but friends with uh, with Thunderbolt and Lightfoot and with uh, Clint Eastwood, and uh, he keeps saying like, "We're queer for each other, aren't we?" Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, hey, we're going up there. Hey, you want to do that bank job? Well, we're sure are queer for that bank job, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. Man, Jesus Christ, man. Yeah. Isn't this they they uh, they're looking for something buried in a church pew or something like that? Is that what it is? It's something like that, or it may be a bank. It, it's some valuable possession that they're trying to steal mm -hmm. and i just watched this like a week ago and even though the plot failed uh jeff bridges suggests we should get the same crew together or a different crew together and do the exact same heist mm -hmm. the exact same way because nobody's going to be expecting that it's hidden <laughs> it's hidden behind a school chalkboard that's, nah, what that's right uh, uh yeah. nobody would ever expect us to try and fail a second time yeah that's it's correct. like a week later or something like that uh, it's yeah. I just because it was a Montana movie, and I knew we were coming up on Montana. Two likable leads, yeah. Michael Cimino. Uh, I was expecting a little bit more, and it's not. Yeah. Oh, All right, now here's the rundown of uh, some other stuff. Alice's restaurant. This is not what spawned the TV. Well, that was Alice doesn't live here anymore. The, right. That, but is Alice's restaurant a spinoff of Alice? No, it's an Arlo Guthrie joint. Okay. Uh, where he plays himself. 
Uh, we've already said too much about it. It's a hippie counterculture thing about uh, trying not to be, get drafted into the war. It's Arlo Guthrie playing a version of himself with his father, Woody Guthrie, who obviously was not in the movie because he was dead. Look, I'm going to say what everybody doesn't have the balls to say. Fuck Alice's Restaurant. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man, that is some controversial shit. We're going we're gonna to have, like, at least uh, no comments about that at all. <laughs> um, then there's Amazing Grace and Chuck. I've seen it. Tell us about it. This is okay. Well, everything you need to know is that my father would let me watch this movie when I was young. It's got a good cast. Well, yeah, it's one of the Jesus Jesusiest movies I've ever seen. <laughs> the basketball player is his nickname is Amazing Grace. It's like Sweet Lou Dunbar or whatever. <laughs> like, and Chuck is the kid. Literally, all I remember is that uh. the basketball. There's oh, a lot of God. I'll tell you why. Uh, because they're trying to, uh, the kid reads something about nuclear bombs, and he says he's not going to go to school anymore until all the bombs are destroyed. I was reading about this. And then Amazing Grace, the basketball player, says he's not going to play basketball anymore, even though he's one of the best basketball players in the world, until all the nukes are gone. And they succeeded. The they end. Did, pretty much, because they get to all the way to the President of the United States, who is played by... Gregory Peck. Oh, I thought you were going to say uh, our boy, you know, Bruce. Bruce Greenwood. <laughs> oh, yeah. In 1987. That would have been awesome. Uh, uh, no, I don't remember anything about this. I just remember, uh, I think I was just old enough to know it was terrible and I hated it. This is William Peterson a year after <laughs> Manhunter. Yep. Son yep. of a bitch. He thought he was going to be the next thing, poor bastard. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is in it? Yeah. Uh, okay, then there's Bright Angel. No idea. It's got a really good, an interesting cast. This is a 90s movie. It's from 1990. Dermot Mulroney, Lily Taylor, Sam Shepard, Bill Pullman, who I'll talk about uh, later on, Delroy Lindo, and Will Patton. I've so almost like certainly a- seen this. This is exactly the kind of movie I used to rent in college. Just because of the cast? Yes. Yeah. And and when it came out. I've almost certainly seen it, but I don't remember anything about it. And then there's it. a Marilyn Monroe movie called Bus Stop. I've never seen that. I've seen a lot of Marilyn Monroe, but I haven't seen that movie. Yeah, I haven't seen that. Uh, I wonder how many movies she did. It was about 40 or 50. Yeah. She did a lot. Um, there was a point in time where she was not famous and she, she like everybody else was a character actress. And mm-hmm. all. I said, there's a movie I saw where she just kind of showed up for like two seconds and out the door. It was like, uh, was, uh, that it was talking about the Alec Guinness, uh, stuff that uh-huh. I saw. Audrey Hepburn shows up like for one minute in that movie, wow. one of those movies. And then it's gone. Wow. I, like it's amazing to see somebody with that kind of wattage coming in mm-hmm. and then they're gone <laughs> and it's not even a cameo. It's just, you were a pretty girl that we put in the movie. Uh, then there is certain women is Kristen Stewart in it. Yeah. Kristen Stewart. Somebody summarize. It's Laura Dern, Kristen Stewart, Michelle Williams. Um, it's like a anthology type of movie. Yeah. Where, yeah. You've seen it though. Yeah. <laughs> Any good? Um, I like Kristen Stewart. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> I do too. Even though our videos say otherwise. Um, the the Cowboys. I've never seen this. this is a John Wayne yeah, Slim Pickens like, movie. Yeah. Um, then there's Cut Bank. I no, it's an A twenty four movie. Oh, I've seen this. This <laughs> has got a Hemsworth in it, right? Yeah, Liam. Uh, it's Liam Hemsworth, Billy Bob Thornton, John Malkovich, Teresa Palmer, Michael Stuhlbarg. No. Wait, I am Bruce Stern. No. Oh, you don't like it? I'm saying no. Okay. Oh, bad movie. Oh, yeah. Really? I would not. I would not recommend it. So A twenty four does have a blemish. Then A twenty four has all kinds of goddamn blemishes, and I don't know why we don't ever talk about it. 
I don't know. I think it's because at one point we said they were perfect. <laughs> I'm pretty sure if we go back into our podcast, we've said that. But before. don't they have like three Annabelle movies on their docket? No. There's some horror sequel they just put out, or some. There's some. Pull up a twenty four. Let's sort this out. We got time. I want, there's. I was looking for this. Then in Blumhouse, I went looking the other day. Mm. Ghost story comes at night. The Vavitch, Ex Machina, Black Coats, Spring Breakers, Hereditary, Moonlight, Lady Bird. Uh, Green Room, I guess. Uh, Room, Killing of the Sacred Deer, Lobster, Swiss Army Man, Under the Skin. Spectacular Now, Tusk. Did they put out Tusk? I guess so. Wow. The Prayer Before Dawn. Under the Silver Lake, American Honey, Bling Ring, Lock. Yeah, you may be thinking about Blum. Blumhouse has put out a yeah, lot of Yeah, Blumhouse definitely has a lot of blemishes. Mm. I'm sorry I smirched you, H.T. <laughs> well, I mean, they obviously do have some blemishes, but uh, the, it, it does seem like every time I see their their name, I usually like the movie. Uh, I think... Uh, God, I, they've got so many. They even did the end of the tour that uh, Jason Segel, uh David Foster Wallace movie. Mm. Yeah, I'm sorry. I was wrong. Um... <laughs> But I mean, they they do have I'm sure, some. Yeah, it's I'm not sure a perfect perfect record. But I think it was Blumhouse. I was anyway, mad at. You didn't like Cut Blank, Cut Bank though. No, and I watched it specifically. Do I want to tell you why I watched it? Mm, yeah, yeah, do it. I kind of had a little Miley Cyrus thing for a bit. No, we all know that. Okay, yeah. I think, so I, think I, I think Twitter knows that. <laughs> okay, and, yeah. so I watched this uh, because it was her boyfriend. Ah, okay. and I was like, well, let's see if he's got any talent because I didn't see it in that uh, Catching Fire series, yeah. and it's not very good. What they do is they've got you rattle off a bunch of big names, and they're all in fairly small roles, and he's the main character. Uh, um, and it's just trying to be one of these. Well, I guess it's set in Montana. I was going to say like country crime heist gone wrong double cross kind of things hmm. uh no i say no no to the <laughs> i say nay <laughs> oliver platt's in that too then we have uh evil knievel documentary i don't know okay there's an evil knievel documentary evil right. knievel was a big deal back in our day yes he, he sure was, was. That, you couldn't you couldn't like walk anywhere without hearing about <laughs> evil knievel <laughs> to the point where he was like wasn't super dave kind of like a parody of evil uh -huh. knievel yeah yeah that was, it was, it was a always like deal. it was always a thing where he was jumping over like you know a, a record amount of buses which yep. is what uh you know hot rod makes fun mm -hmm. of and everything um but yeah and then he had uh, his son robbie knievel took over and started doing stuff and i think he's gone now mm -hmm. well he's just not doesn't do much anymore uh then there's the hanging tree i think there's a few hanging trees which one is this is it uh 1959 gary cooper yep gary cooper carl malden yeah um george c scott i haven't seen this either man sorry montana i haven't seen most oh, of no, your, man. most of your movies make better movies though also um <laughs> horse sense oh that's got joey and andrew lawrence in it huh oh whoa joey lawrence yeah getting work for his relatives I, by the way i hated just doing that whoa there because that's what he always fucking gets but that's what he's known for oh no, man he, he's gonna be doing whoa at like state fairs for yeah. the next 20 years it's the whole I reason mean, blossom had 14 seasons because yeah. he look goes at, whoa look at the dude who played carlton on fresh prince mm -hmm. and how much he's just embraced that that's gonna be his thing <laughs> right, man. and he's turned it into a career now yeah he's doing america's he's a game show and he does america's funniest home videos okay and he's uh, doing that commercial for geico yeah. about yeah. parallel parking anyway sorry to say that i haven't seen little big man either it's another classic movie but i haven't seen it little big man 
That's Dustin Hoffman. He's like raised by a Native American tribe or something like that. And Whoa. I don't know. 1970. You my, said Little Big Man, and I immediately went to that Ed O'Neill, like, peewee football league movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was uh, Arthur Penn who did Bonnie and Clyde. Oh, ah, yeah. did that movie. Um, and then there's the Missouri it, Breaks. It'll be on Cinemax tonight. Yes, yeah, yes it will. <laughs> we, should break, but we should just be honest. We've got this phenomenon going on. I'm sure it's that. Bernie Madoff phenomenon or whatever it's called, Biner Ma- Meinhof. You know that thing where <laughs> Bernie Madoff, <laughs> where it's like the the number twenty three. That movie is that. Where you think it into existence or whatever. Well, no, but you see, you notice a thing, and then you feel like you notice it more in the following weeks. When in reality, you're just paying attention to it more. It's not appearing more. You're just noticing right. it. More. No, yeah, that, that was what I was talking about with Alison Tolman last last oh, week yeah, yeah. when you were like, I haven't seen her anywhere. And if you if you look at the the movie. That she's in. She's like, oh yeah, you've seen her a million wow. times. So every week we we record these usually on Thursday, and I'll go home, and something within two to four hours of me getting home is prominently be, being played on a movie channel that we have discussed that day during the episode. It's happened like five weeks in a row now. Yeah. So at least one thing. Sometimes, sometimes it was two, like because there was like the Eddie Murphy life, and then the Jake Gyllenhaal, and they life were was starting from- within six minutes of each other on the <laughs> on different stars channels. That blew my mind. Uh, another Arthur Penn movie called The Missouri Breaks uh, has Jack Nick and marlon brando i have not seen this either i want to see it though. it's one of those things man i'm a westerns fan but i am not that much of a western fan where it's like i've seen every fucking thing in the world and i mean that's one that i need to see i didn't even realize that there was a movie with marlon brando and jack nicholson yeah in the 70s mm-hmm. wow. it also has early uh randy quaid in it oh yeah yeah, yeah. Which but just, looks you know, and seen Randy Quaid. Yeah, yeah. Right well, and then that was a, Randy Quaid and Jack Nicholson were in the last detail together. Yeah, oh, yeah. wow. Uh, it was a really good movie. And this is apparently like Brando versus Nicholson. Yeah. In uh, like Rustler versus like a, like a hired hitman. I want to fucking see this movie. Yeah. I, it may not be good, but I'll it probably, has all of the pain. I, I hear it's good. No, I've heard, I've actually heard somebody recently say that, uh, bring this movie up and hmm. say that it was good. Hmm. So, yeah, I want to see it. I just, I just never have. Yeah. Sorry, Montana. If you had the last detail, I could talk about that. There you go. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Um, then there's The Patriot, which is a Steven Seagal movie, yeah. not the Mel Gibson. <laughs> not the Mel Gibson one. Oh, I saw it on God. the list and I was like, "Did the fuck, man? Anybody, anybody seen this? No. no, but let me read it to you just, just real quick. So this is 1998. This is Steven Seagal. He's definitely done at this point. He's oh, over. Yeah, he's, he's way over the, the hill. He's already mm-hmm. got the fat face and everything. Um, okay, so let me just read the first uh, little bit of the plot here. Near the town of Ennis, Montana, local doctor and former government research immunologist Wesley McLaren Steven Seagal, who has an interest in herbal medicine and is also a weapons and self-defense defense expert, <laughs> is called to the hospital when people start dying from an unknown but very deadly disease. Oh, my God. So it's like Outbreak meets a Seagal movie. But look yeah. at all the shit that Seagal is good with. Yeah. He's a local doctor. He's a former government research immunologist. immunologist. He's, he's got a- an interest in herbal medicine, and he's also a weapons and self-defense expert. He's a true patriot. 
Yes, he is. God damn it. Mm-hmm. By the way, herbal medicine just means he smokes weed. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. just like he looked at like the, the character traits, like uh, like uh, the Jumanji thing, where it's like bravery <laughs> or like bags. He's like, no, I want him to be uh, not only a doctor, so he's super smart, love, but he's also a weapons I expert. Love Kevin Hart in that scene. How is strength my weakness? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then finally we have Vampire Academy, which has oh, Zoe Deutsch in it. I have never seen it. No, no. I've never seen it either. Um, but the, I, if you were going to, if you were going to, you know, build a Vampire Academy, you would do it in Montana. Yes. Yep. That's where, I mean, for sure. And that just makes perfect sense. Yeah. You don't want people like, you know, sneaking up on you. And shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's got Olga Karolinko in it. And, uh, oh, I Gabriel like Byrne. I like Olga Karolinko. Lucy Fry. Olga Karolinko. She was in a Hitman movie. Yeah. She and was also in, uh, Oblivion. She oh. Was Tom Cruise's real wife. Bolivian? Bolivian. Yes. Bolivian. I'm going to knock him into Bolivia. Yes. So there's there's Montana. Sorry, I haven't seen very many of these Montana movies. Jeremy saw most of them, I think. Yeah. You mean I saw more than you guys had, but I still probably didn't see even half of that list. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, get get going. I know there's it's a very unpopulous state, uh, but it's Wyoming, I think, They're that has the least population, right? Like, when we went up there, I was taken aback by how, like, anti- corporate like anti-brand they seem to be there's still chains there like there's mcdonald's there but like there were like five city brew coffees and one starbucks and i was told by more than one local we don't drink starbucks the only reason that starbucks is here is for people like you coming from out of town (laughs) i was like okay people like you of all the all the brands to hate starbucks is a little weird when you got a cabello's right down the road and like you know fazoli's like Just oh my god i used to have there was a manager i had at hollywood 27 you you never had this manager who loved going to fucking fazoli's man. Oh, holy man. shit but like like the break the the break that everybody knows is coming would be coming up and he'd be like anybody want fazoli's <laughs> and they're like god damn it man fazoli's every every fucking day with this guy <laughs> i i loved fazoli's when i was a kid i would probably venture to to guess that if i ate it today i I would like vomit (laughs) well and here's the thing i haven't been in ages but like in 98 when i had nothing i had no money and no job like fazoli's saved my fucking life Mm -hmm. because i go in there and buy a 99 cent salad and a water fill up on those breadsticks yeah man the breadsticks were amazing and i never felt like i was taking advantage because they just they always advertised free unlimited breadsticks free unlimited but you better bring that shit (laughs) they they probably had the most obnoxious radio commercials of all time too because they had kids but it didn't I didn't know if they were really kids on the audio. Like, it was one of those where the kid's voice sounds just unreal. Like, if you have a hungry mouth, <laughs> put some fasolis in it. And every time that commercial would come on, I would turn the volume down to zero. <laughs> and it's like, it's one of those, is there anything lower than mute for this? Because it's so fucking exactly. unbelievable. God damn it. <laughs> That's my rant. Fazoli's commercials back in the 90s. You remember them well. They were awful. They're the worst. I have no rant, but we're going to get into some rants. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I'm as mad as hell. You've never seen me very upset. Yeah. That's the end of our road trip for today. For today. You want to do your rant? You want me to No, we're going to stop in Montana. That's it. It's over. (laughs) I would like to have stopped in Montana. (laughs) All right, so here's my rant. Um, Several weeks ago, about... Uh, end of June, I saw an article 
that said one internet user's persistence has paid off and he's been begging planters to bring back their cheese balls snack mm-hmm. from the 80s and 90s. It was in like a Pringles-style tube, only twice as fat. Yep. And they were cheese balls, and they were awesome. And I ate them a lot, and they stopped making them a long time ago. And I was like, they're bringing them back. Holy shit. And it was like, limited time. They'll be available in a couple weeks. Here are the places you can buy them. Amazon was listed. I immediately, that article could not have been more than an hour old. I clicked through (laughs) to Amazon, and I bought two cases. That would have been, I think, a total of 12 tubes of cheese balls oh yes yes i overdid it um <laughs> this is your szechuan sauce it is <laughs> well it is a, yes it is <laughs> because the next day i got an email saying i would receive them on the 15th of july and i was like all right well you announced that a little soon because now i have to wait three weeks for them two weeks whatever but okay then like a week before they were supposed to show up your shipment has been delayed hmm. no new date given hmm and that was the case for three weeks. And then, just two days ago, I got an email with an updated shipment. December. What? Listen, planters, I do not fucking care about your goddamn cheese balls that much. <laughs> and how did you watch the Szechuan sauce debacle happen <laughs> and then not make enough cheese balls to meet them? Why did you not put out feelers? Why didn't you conduct a Gallup poll to figure out exactly how many motherfuckers like me were going to buy two cases of cheese balls? <laughs> mm-hmm. And now I'm one of the first to tried. I've already paid for them. I'm not going to get them shits till December. <laughs> and I bet you anything in December I get an email saying, oh, they've been discontinued. We refunded your account. Uh, I probably am not going to get any of these fucking things. And someone out there is listening to this thing just munching on that shit. And I'm angry. <laughs> God damn, get, I'm angry. When I was at the beach, I was compelled because I went to a Walmart for the first time in, I don't remember the last time I went to a Walmart. And they had one of those giant plastic uts oh i saw you tweeted about this (laughs) (laughs) and i I immediately regretted the decision because nobody else in my family eats these things (laughs) so so i've still got a giant ball Uh, no it's about a third empty (laughs) i made a good (laughs) dent into it but uh yeah that's a lot of cheese balls man and they're hopelessly addicting man i'd like ground it up and put it in my eggs in the morning well and i i missed them from my youth uh but for a few years there after i got married the kroger brand cheese balls were very similar to what the old planters once had been and then they changed their fucking recipe okay that that's where yeah exactly because that's the problem with this bucket of cheese balls is that they're immediately stale i'll tell you why they're immediately because they changed the recipe because they're, they changed their recipe and the planters ones had that foil like fucking like exactly. tennis ball ripoff thing exactly where you'd hear the air escaping and you know this shit is like vacuum sealed oh yeah <laughs> We have talked more about cheese balls than I expected. By the way, you brought up grocery stores. I can make a mini rant about oh, that. Oh, I like by the to hear way. that. Because <laughs> I know that uh, you managed grocery stores mm-hmm. at one time. A Kroger, in fact. And uh, I, I go to a Publix uh, that is uh, really the only store, really the only option of, of going to any grocery store that I go to. But it doesn't matter what day I go. I understand that grocery stores. Uh, they need to have this illusion that they're always stocked. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, not an illusion. They are always stocked yep. uh, because it, it looks better to the customer and, mm-hmm. you know, and all that type of, I understand the psychology of it, but I hate every single one of you fucking stalkers. I fucking hate every single fucking one of mm-hmm. you motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> Go fuck yourselves. The stalkers, yes. the stalkers are one, and then you have all these people that are doing the buying for those lazy ass shits 
that order online. Yes. And they've got these huge fucking carts that they sit there in right inevitably right mm. where you want to go mm-hmm. set those motherfuckers yeah. right there yeah and this this Publix that i go to they are real fucking assholes about it too. <laughs> they, they are real like, fucking assholes. like you're pushing a cart down the thing and they're like they they like barely acknowledge you or and they'll they say you coming or they'll say all- or they'll say hi how's it going <laughs> and i always want to say be fine if you get the fuck out of my way <laughs> <laughs> i gotta stand up for the stalkers in america that job sucks ass man. no kidding and but you know i'm what? sure if they weren't beaten down they would get out of your way more i totally know what you mean they you know are what, always though? in the way yeah, I, like i will be it's already bad enough that you have to deal with the other customers in the fucking store those guys are terrible too but yes. like you know you have the people who are like uh you know they decide to take their cart down the exact middle of the lane and God, those and, people are the worst and uh, and they never get over and they hear you coming and all this other stuff and they stop in front of you and look at their like you know the charmin and shit and like it's then but then you go you know to the like i know grocery stores gotta have fucking uh, an aisle or a, a display for everything mm-hmm. there's not enough room to do any of this shit and you go and it's even worse in new york i i know the chicago's you know, terrible those too. grocery stores are awful but like you go you're just pushing your cart along and everything and then boom out of the doors like somebody's coming and there's like all these fucking pallets <laughs> of shit and they're like don't they didn't even look they didn't look both ways it's like driving you motherfuckers <laughs> yeah all right. All right. You feel better. Yeah, I do feel better. Oh man. All right. Well, I was uh, I was incensed, as people are incensed on Twitter. Uh, there was a, a post for the Ringer, and I think the guy was supposed to be saying wink, winking it, uh, but it was a post about Josh Hartnett, your buddy Josh. Hartnett, oh yeah, Josh boy, Hart. friend of the show, uh, friend of the show. It was uh, subtitled. It was like on the the 20th anniversary of Halloween H two O, we examine the career of Josh Hartnett. Mm-hmm. That's something worth a lot of time for. Look, I'm I I probably have been guilty about like you know thinking about like anniversaries. Like uh, we saw Smashing Pumpkins recently; it's the 25th anniversary mm-hmm. of Siamese Dream or whatever it is. And you know, hey man, it's been 20 years since this came out or that kind of you know. I go back and look at it and that kind of thing. But we are awash with this now. Oh God, every and day. It, it, it for 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 stupid shit too. It's like the, the Pitchfork did a fucking. Uh, uh, a reexamination of Holes Live Through This, mm-hmm. uh, the album. And they did it on their long form thing, those big Sunday reads and everything. Mm-hmm. And listen, I, Hole was fine. That album was fine. It was weird that it was released right after Kurt Cobain died. Uh, but it doesn't need that many words. And, and they it, were talking about it like it was the fucking miles davis is kind of blue or something they, like that they gave it an unheard of like nine point something or yes, whatever too it was ridiculous i actually have hang on two seconds i'll pull it up they gave it a 10 yeah they gave it a 10 they God, gave damn. holes live through the fucking pitchfork if, if hole had come out with that album today <sighs> pitchfork would give it a 5.8 if that is that the one with miss world on it it's the one with doll parts on it uh, i don't but know but the one where it's not melodic and she's just grown in it right yes until yeah. the celebrity skin album she's not doing anything melodic nope yeah it's garbage it it's i i wouldn't say it's garbage it's because garbage. There, there's there's a song called violet there's a song called doll parts there's there's some good stuff in there it ain't a goddamn 10 though what's mm. good what, what it, it's none none of it's good it's all garbage <laughs> <laughs> but when we're getting to the point where we're like saying you know what let's go back and look at Let's use the 20th anniversary of Halloween H2O yeah. as the impetus not for a worthy, our thing. Not a worthy thing. Well, even oh. 
I don't want to get dragged for this. But even Seth Rogen, like yesterday or the day before, was celebrating the 20th anniversary of some anniversary of Pineapple Express. Ten years, maybe? Must be ten years. Yeah, it'd be ten. With a bunch of facts, behind the scenes facts. Mm -hmm. And some of them were fun. Like where they he, had to, they had to he roll, had all, to the roll all the cross joints because no one else could do it. Right. Oh. <laughs> and he ended up, ended up rolling like twenty of them for the production. Uh, so I mean, it's neat, but that's like DVD extras stuff. Yep, that's not like uh, anniversary of Pineapple Express. <laughs> God damn, what's next? Like the half year anniversary of when my dog Skip was released? Yeah. <laughs> like, we're, we're getting into th thin territory. I understand, like, it's when just we. It's clicks. Yeah, I mean, it's the same reason the rap writes about every goddamn Jim Carrey painting. It, people are going to click on it. <laughs> yeah. People see anniversary, a movie they remember. What do they have to say? But you don't have yeah, to put any nostalgia. effort into that shit. Hey, people remember Halloween H20. Exactly. Do they? Do they remember I hope they don't. Halloween H two O? That was a, a that a was a pretty bad, epically movie. garbage movie, mm -hmm. and like and and it ended Halloween for a while. Yep. So much so that Rob Zombie came back with it. <laughs> That's how bad H two O was. <laughs> And uh, now it's got, I guess it's got a cult following, because I do hear H2O a lot lately. God, that's a shitty movie, though. It is a shitty movie. It's I so bad. I don't know. When you get to the point where you're retrospectively giving Holes Live Through This a 10, and when you're talking about Halloween H2O on the week of its release 20 years ago, fuck yourself, man. Mm -hmm. Get 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 off. Get, get, a, get, get, get away. Get fucked. <laughs> yeah. Nostalgia, man. It does, it does all kinds of stuff strange stuff to us where we we retroactively you see it a lot with presidents right mm -hmm. you remember when george w bush was in office oh yeah everyone hated that guy and he was a dunce mm -hmm. and it's only been like 15 years and history has already begun to shine him up yeah and maybe it's in comparison to others that have come since him. i think that was i think that was starting even before uh the the election cycle yeah, no, I just think I th what my point is that every president goes through. History remembers every president as being a little bit better than we remembered thinking at the time. Yeah, I mean, look at uh, when Nixon died. The funeral was was, you know, covered like he was, you know, this this glowing yep. figure and stuff yep. like that. And it was like, you know, I mean, I know it's shitty to say things about people who are dead, but he did some really shitty shit. Yeah. No. Yeah. Shady shit. Oh, yeah. Shady, All right. Shady shit. Uh, so on to some news. News on the mark. You got to start news. off the news because I want to hear your opinions about this. Okay, oh, I got so, some. So, uh, and this is actually it's one of those things that came out and like immediately there were like three Facebook comments that were like, yeah, talk about this Oscar <laughs> news. So the Oscars are going to have a new category called uh, Best Popular Film or something. Or I don't even know if they've officially named it. Something yet. of that nature. Yes. And they're also going to make the telecast a straight up three hours by doing some awards during commercial breaks and then like sort of editing them together kind of like how they do with the technical those uh technical awards or whatever these are technically technical awards but uh something that uh now that part i've always thought they should have done mm -hmm. uh now the problem is they bloat it they've bloated every telecast with a whole bunch of stupid ass skits and just stuff that meanders opening monologue open monologue yeah i mean it's like so many different things that 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 
you know, make that telecast so long. And they're like, well, where can we find cuts? Oh, I know. Let's do actual awards. That's <laughs> no, nobody tuned in for your skit. Nobody cares. You know, it's they tuned in to see who won. Well, and I've and, always thought it was kind of tragic. Don't get me wrong. Don't take this the wrong way. That the songs kind of get to be performed mostly in full or at least two thirds of in full. And like the performances, you get like a one sentence blurb of what Meryl Streep yelled. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, we're celebrating the whole of the movie. But when it comes to what we show before announcing the winner, we're giving the music like way more time than we're giving like the acting or the directing or the effects. They yeah. only get like a three second little blip. Yeah. And it's always the most emotional, basically. Right. Yeah. You got to be crying or you got to have some sort of celebratory moment or something like that. Nine times out of ten, it's crying. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. But uh, the, or think- yelling. Really. I think the thing that uh, that got most people sort of uh, in an uproar is this best popular film or whatever they're going to call it mm. thing. Um, yeah, again, and in this memo that went out to the Academy said, we'll figure out the criteria for this later on. Later. Um, what, more, what, more details are forthcoming. Yeah, what <laughs> exactly any criteria that you come up with for this is going to be stupid. Yep. It if it's popular, that means it made money. So it's going to be movies that made money. Uh, I think you wrote on your tw- you wrote on Twitter something about why don't they, they're becoming handed out Moon Men now? Yeah, yeah. and um, and it's ex- that's exactly right. That's that's MTV Awards. Yep. That's when you know oh everybody knows this movie, so we'll give it an award for being a movie that everybody liked. I don't um, even know how this would happen. Because I've seen a million think pieces. Like as soon as this came out, oh yeah, I saw it released on uh, Hollywood Reporter on Twitter at maybe five minutes afterwards, and emailed you guys. And I was thinking, like, well, it's interesting. I love the idea of of paring down the runtime. Mm-hmm. I love the idea of putting it earlier in the the year too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I was I was thinking about this popular film thing, like outstanding achievement in popular film. I was like, how would that even look? So then, and all these think pieces are saying. Well, I know what this is going to look like, and this is stupid, or I, I think this is a great idea because this is exactly what it's going to be. Based on this press release, we have no idea what it's going to be. Yeah, well, it could also be one of those things where they introduce it, and then they read the think pieces, and then they're like, <laughs> let's try to avoid all those things that are so negative yeah. about it. But it's going to, I mean, in the end, it's going to be top five movies that made money that maybe weren't nominated for anything else. Yeah, I yeah. saw oh, what a shitty so, category. If that's what it ultimately is, there's some really interesting stuff though. Like uh, Dan Merle from Screen Junkies mm-hmm. was tweeting out, and he was talking about Blade Runner 2049, and he was like, "It got great critical reception, and almost no one went to see it. But of those who went to see it, uh, most really, really liked it. So is it popular? Is it popular? It's certainly popular among those that saw it. Mm-hmm. Is it?" popular versus the population no but again the, the point is how you, how do you define this and however you define it is bullshit mm-hmm. and i'm telling you right now if they institute this award and they give the first one ever to black panther that is going to be the most racist shit i've ever seen <sighs> yeah it is it is bunch of old white people awarding the most popular movie we're not gonna to black panther yeah we're not going to and obviously we haven't they haven't announced it yet we're only in the middle of the year it's very unlikely it's going to be nominated for Best Picture, right? Even though I think there are those that suggest it should be. I would so, maybe be so on So you're the... saying it's sort of they're out because they won't nominate it as a Best Picture? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, and uh, I, I think I've I even agree read with some suspicions that this whole 
award was created as a way to recognize Black Panther. I think I might agree with you. Uh, I might too, this. and that's why I said I responded to a comment on Reddit, and I was like, "This just shows that there's that how out of touch they still are. Like they haven't learned anything about the, from the Oscars. So white, they haven't learned anything from." <sighs> well, they uh, they also the you know the other thing that came out of this was that the idea that they started coming out with best animated film was another reason why they started doing this was so that they could get some movies that people knew. Um, that is also the reason why they expanded the number of best pictures that yep. could be in there because the Dark Knight didn't get a nomination back in 2008. Um, so they've been trying to expand the whole popular film thing. Uh, I don't. I'm I'm a little bit. Uh, I don't. I don't. I wouldn't say that I'm suspicious of this award because of Black Panther. Um, I I, I think it's more about they see ratings declining and everything uh and they want to have movies like black panther that were popular with everybody to have a chance but i don't that's that to me shows their disconnect between what is um like this movie should have critical acclaim like an oscar nomination i think they feel like they sully their name in some way by putting popular entertainment into the category Mm -hmm. um uh, and of course there are there have been throughout the years popular movies that have made it into the best picture category but uh more and more it seems like it's been those real small pictures that very few people have seen and everything i think last year was a case in point yeah yeah um, and I, I understand the uh, the conflict there i do mm -hmm. understand that but i think if if you go by the spirit of the criteria which we have a sense of i don't we don't know exactly you could put a black panther versus a ladybird or something like that I, I know that was from last year but you can put them up to each other and compare them mm -hmm. because every story is going to be completely different everything is going to be you know a, a slightly different take on things and it doesn't matter what it looks like if it's well executed if it's well produced it should be valued the same as an indie pro an a24 film yeah and it's what's weird for me is that because i mean we're kind of talking about like snobbery here a little bit aren't we like we're fine art we give the best picture to art mm -hmm. and you know avengers infinity war isn't fine art it's populist art mm -hmm. or what have you and so we want the money from the populist viewers because we want them to watch our broadcast and we can charge advertisers more but we don't want to actually call any of those films good art mm -hmm. yeah there is a there's sort of an elitism they haven't gotten yeah in the past yet. yeah uh that's what it's going to be though you're going to have black panther and infinity war at least those are two that have to be in that category yep star and, wars well not well, this year but yeah, probably not that one but um but they'll i mean it'll be movies like i mean it'll be mission the, impossible see, Fallout. it opens up the possibility that jurassic world fallen kingdom would be in this true sure, because it made a shit ton of money and uh oh god man is it, can anybody discern a movie that makes a ton of money that nobody likes anymore like can can people actually discern that <laughs> who's actually going around espousing fallen kingdom as a great movie it nobody. made 400 million dollars yeah yeah we just and like that's probably dinosaurs. all because families went to go see it and yeah. they're you know ah, it was all right yeah. they don't have any other they don't have any other you know uh 
a say in this whole thing. But. I also think a, a fair response to this new category, I've seen both Dicer and Jesse Moulton talking about this, is that if you're going to introduce a new category, there are way better ones you could have chosen. Mm-hmm. Jesse is championing the casting director, mm-hmm. which is a great one. And Dicer had a list of five, and almost all of them were great, in my opinion. I don't remember the one that I was like, eh, I don't know about that. But he had uh, stunt performance, uh, motion capture performance, uh, casting director, and again... I think those kind of things would draw in the viewers you're trying to draw in with most popular movie. Yes. I think the average movie fan would be more inclined to watch an Oscar telecast if you told them there was going to be some kind of stunt award or montage or on-stage recreation of a stunt or something, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's just you're learning all the wrong lessons. Would it be yeah. hilarious if they did finally create a stunt uh, category? And Tom Cruise won it. Oh yeah, that would be. That, <laughs> maybe that's the way the to get that men, category made. <laughs> you imagine all the stuntmen that have like been injured and risked oh, their life. God. But They'd I mean, like, are you fucking kidding yeah. me? But that's why I think stunts have more prominence <laughs> no, now, no, and would yeah. appeal to fans uh, is that Cruise has, in a way that only an A-list movie star could, has been able to show you exactly how much effort goes behind this kind of stuff, and because he's an actor and not a stuntman. He, we treat him like Jesus, but stuntmen and women are doing this kind of thing mm-hmm. every single day, and they just get pooped on yep. in favor of most popular movie and best kiss. Yeah. <laughs> uh, ultimately, uh, shortening the the shortening the broadcast. I'm for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, the new category. I'm against it. Mm-hmm. it. And uh, you know, I mean, the, you know, all those technical awards and everything. I I know that it's fun for them to have their moment and everything, and I I don't I don't want to take that away from them or anything. It's just that there's only you and your family care, really. Yep. And uh, sorry to say, you know, most of the time, like the millions of people who are watching, they don't know who did the sound effects editing. Well, sound you know? editing and sound mixing being two separate categories that are you know introduced and then you know have all the montage beforehand drags the fucking broadcast down yeah uh i appreciate sound i appreciate the stuff that goes into this stuff but it's a technical award put it in the technical awards mm-hmm. or do it during the commercials stuff yeah. like them so yeah. i think it's totally fair for them to say what can we do to get more viewers to the broadcast that's and and like you said shortening the broadcast is one almost surefire way to do it uh however you get there it's just that you, you don't need to make up new categories and if you're gonna make Good ones. Mm-hmm. Bunch of ball lickers. Yeah. <laughs> Bunch of ball washing <laughs> bastards. <laughs> um, I was going to talk about Robert Redford retiring uh-huh. or Kathleen Turner's incredible fucking interview. I need I to read that, by the way. That. She just burning all the bridges. She does not <laughs> give a damn. It's awesome. But we talked when we were talking earlier about the grocery store stuff. Uh, it made me think of a news item I read this morning. Um. And it concerns Oreo cookies and Hydrox cookies. Mm. And what cookies? Hydrox. Hydrox is a black and white uh, sandwich cookie that actually came before Oreo Hmm. by like six years, I believe. Uh, but Oreo was better marketed and has long well, since and been. Aren't the they one player. of the one of the uh, classic cases of a company coming in and stealing an idea? Potentially, yeah. yeah. I, I didn't read any of that. There's a there's a there's a few of those over the years where like uh, you know somebody had the pop had had a had, you know a game or a food or something like that, and then some other company came in. I like what you're doing here, and they just slapped their <laughs> own shit on it, and it became more popular. Yeah, um, and so. Hydrox has always been number two, a distant number two, and in like 2003, they even stopped making them hmm. uh, until another company came along, bought it, and revived the brand in like 2015. Today, they're filing suit against Oreo. 
And it's just fucking fascinating to me what they're alleging. Now, the first thing that I learned in grocery store management training was what DSD stood for, and it means direct store delivery. You ever wonder why the Pepsi and Dorito displays always look awesome? Or there's almost always somebody working on them. Those are DSD products. Those are, excuse me, direct store delivery. Pepsi delivers their own Pepsi to the store and arranges it on the shelf. A Pepsi employee does, or, or a yes. subsidiary. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, I mean, they, they still check in at the back dock, whereas 90% of what the store is selling is coming from the warehouse, the Kroger warehouse. Uh, and it comes into the back dock, and the employees have to take unpack the truck and put it all and piss off chris yeah and piss (laughs) off chris direct store delivery uh and it's usually soft drinks alcohol and snacks uh are they 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 come in and stock their own they're in there every day they know what the volumes are like but the the store employees aren't checking inventory for doritos or pepsi that's all on doritos and pepsi's employee and oreo is delivered direct store delivery hydrox is delivered through warehouse delivery and they are alleging that the DSD delivery people who work for Oreo are intentionally hiding Hydrox behind other cookies on the shelf. Oh. And they have gobs of pictures. Wow. <laughs> because they Hydrox is not sending an employee in every day, but Oreo is. They have the advantage if they wanted to. Nobody who works for the store is going to look twice at the Oreo guy to see if he's like hiding <laughs> Hydrox behind. Nope. But, like, in some places, they've hidden them behind, like, Kroger brand or hidden them behind Oreo brand. Oh, wow. And they're bringing a lawsuit because they're basically going under from lack of sales, and they think this has something to do with it. And I just think that's fucking movie-worthy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right? Uh, yeah, Like, man. I just saw the thing with the McDonald's Monopoly, that big story that yeah, broke, yeah. where the oh, guy Oh, that was for, awesome. And Ben Affleck is going to direct. They bought the rights. Affleck's going to direct, and Damon's going to star in the movie, mm-hmm. and I'm geeked out about it. But they should be buying this fucking Hydrox lawsuit against Oreo. <laughs> if you can imagine, like, the kinds of conspiracy meetings and conversations that would have to take place to make that happen. (laughs) And then the conversations you would have at Hydrox, like, is it possible that they're just hiding? No, that's ridiculous. <laughs> well, we better go look at a store. And oh my God, I just think it's a fascinating store. I'm going to be watching it like yeah, crazy. Yeah, it's like yeah. your informant or flash yeah. of genius type yeah. of uh, type of story or whatever. Or it's uh, those are always fun. Yeah, I, I would watch the shit out of a movie version of that. Anyway, yeah. I thought that was fascinating. I had a little bit of insider knowledge. So I thought mm. that would be my news item for this. Yeah. What is flash of genius? That's the Greg Kinnear movie where he invents the um, the intermittent wiper blade. Hmm. And uh, it's about the real guy who did that and how he had this idea and um, he, you know, sat on it for a while and then he tried to sell it to the car companies and he 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 had it all set up where he showed the showed it in action, showing the intermittent wiper blade and everything. And uh, all these engineers are sitting there taking notes and all sort of type of stuff. And and uh, and so, like, he made sure that nobody could steal his shit. So finally, he had a sort of a handshake deal with like Ford or somebody like that. You're going to put all your wipers, all these white, you know, my invention into your car or whatever. And so, like, as they he started sharing information, they pulled out of the agreement hmm. and took the idea. And so, like, it's about him basically going through years of litigation over all this. Wow. And who has the idea and all that. I don't think the IMDb has this as a really high up movie, but I've seen this a couple of times hmm. and it's good. I really like it. It sounds like the, the I mean, the whole the real world is just full of this kind of shit. Yeah, yeah. Because like Google has sued 
uh, Uber because the guy that was working on Google's self-driving car technology left the company and went to work for Uber and apparently took some documents. Mm-hmm. And it's just, uh, that kind of shit is fascinating to me. I, know. I am already in on this Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, yeah. McDonald's monopoly. <laughs> oh, that, that's got well, so many levels. Why don't we start... To, with all your research, we should write a spec script for the uh, yeah for the, send, send the cookie wars. Oh, for the for the cookie wars. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, Might let's as well. do it. Let's do it. All right. They're probably already circling the lawyers and buying up the rights as we speak. But That's why true. not? Let's move on to recommends and warns. Totes amaze balls. They're great. It won the Academy Award. Oh, for what? For best movie ever made. Uh, all right. So I'm going to recommend Eighth Grade. Uh, oh man i really want to see this me too uh it is it is as fantastic as advertised uh i think the reason why i like eighth grade so much and and the and the main actress in there and i can't think of her name right now um she's really good but it it seems like uh bo burnham i don't know if he told her here's basically what i want you to say and then you go and say it without memorizing it Hmm. um but a lot of the starts and stops and everything that that's in the speech, I'm not all the way there confident about what I'm saying. Uh, it's, it's really endearing. I don't Mm. know what it is. It can be kind of annoying, but it's, it's so true to life. She has this YouTube channel, which, you know, it gets like one or two people to watch it like every once in a while. And it's probably like not, it's, it's either family members. That's what I think that's what it's sort of implying. It's like his, her dad or something is the (laughs) only one who watches it. But you see her, like she's all made up and she's got the lights and everything. And she's has these, basically like these self-help videos where she's like it's like so you know a lot of times when you you know you're not confident uh what you need to do is uh and just like a whole (laughs) bunch of like ums and like and likes and uh you know and all that and and it's just um it's a coming of age i mean there's no real like main story to it it's just her trying to fit in the world and everything and she's trying to fit in with the popular kids the popular kids are very indifferent to her uh, but there's a great scene in there. I don't want to spoil it, but there's a great scene in there where like she gets like this, this big moment for her and it, and it's really just for her. I mean, it's, it's hard to describe without describing the actual scene, but there's a, a scene where the people were actually clapping in the audience, hmm. but it was like, it's, it's almost a hollow victory if you look at it, but mm. it was, it was one of those things like, yeah, that would be very big for her to get huh. to do that. Um, there's a scene in there that that's going to creep you the fuck out in it too. Um, handled very well though, handled very well. Um, but, uh, I just, it's, it's really, really well done. I, I enjoyed the fuck out of that movie. Oh, I can't wait man. to see this movie. I know it's at the bell court in our mm. boutique theater. If it were, Anywhere nearer to me, I probably would have pulled the trigger. I think it's uh, expanding. Is it? I hope so. And also, I read, because it's rated R, that he, Burnham himself, has organized free screenings in all 50 states. Yeah, I saw that. For people to skirt the R rating and see it. And I saw him, I mean, I heard him on uh, Marin talking about this. And and he was like, I have no idea why this was R rated. Well, there's three, I think there's three F-bombs in this, Mm. which is usually the limit. Although there are... Some exceptions, you'll see stuff like all the president's men and everything has like seven or eight or whatever, but it's because it's such an important story. They Mm -hmm. kept it PG. Um, But yeah, it's, it's very arbitrary. I mean, 
you know, it's 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 this idea that fourteen year olds don't have that vocabulary. It's so stupid, and uh, it's kind of it's kind of dumb. And there's nothing else in it other than that kind of talk that's going on in it. There's a scene in there that's really funny though. She's like, she likes this one dude. He's a he's he's a you know he's the dreamboat of the of the of the grade or whatever. And there's all this music that accompanies it. It's so funny when she when she's like in her like trance looking <laughs> at him and everything. He's such a dumbass. And there's a part in there uh, where um where like uh they have these drills where they're you know it's like if a terrorist comes in or a guy or a, they have these drills about like gunmen coming mm-hmm. into the school. And they're all hiding under their desks and everything. And she like finds this opportunity to go over to his desk and talk to him. And he's like, Hey, what's up? And, uh, and, uh, and she goes, she's like, oh, it's kind of crazy, huh? This uh, whole thing and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, he's like, all right, would you ever be worried if somebody like that came in here? And he goes, he's like, no. And goes, why wouldn't you be, why wouldn't you be worried about that? And he goes, cause I'd fuck them up. <laughs> 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 um yeah it's it's, uh, it's really well so bad uh my wreck of warn uh modern horrors uh did a uh had a review of this movie a few years ago and i finally got around to seeing it it's called wolf cop oh yeah <laughs> right up jeremy's alley <laughs> sounds like it um yeah. uh i i I don't, yeah, this is the exact, this is exactly a wreck of warn. Like there's, I mean, it's, it's so short and so to the point that why not? Right. It's an hour and 20 minutes or something like that. Um, but yeah, it's a guy who is a terrible alcoholic cop and, uh, and he, he gets abducted by these cult, the satanic cult or whatever, and then he's uh now he then he just turns into a werewolf uh, whenever the whenever night falls and uh and he's uh he actually at one point uh they're like uh he, the, one of his friends is like he's gonna like stop some bank robbery or something and the guy's like you can't do that you're a wolf and he's like cop <laughs> <laughs> and uh you know yeah they it's one of those movies they made it with this whole like it's tongue-in-cheek it's it's all fun and games and everything but uh there are parts of that movie i'm just like you're a little bit too lackadaisical for (laughs) just i mean satanic cult (laughs) lunar eclipse all this other (laughs) bullshit you know i could do without but very easy breezy stupid fun type of movie wolf copy very wolf copy and there's another one that i haven't seen yet called another wolf cop (laughs) (laughs) what's funny is at the end of wolf cop there's a thing that says wolf cop 2 coming out in 2015 (laughs) and ended up being 2017 and it was called another wolf cop nice which i'll have to see at some point but uh yeah there you go is it on netflix uh i don't know if it's on netflix i have the blu-ray i i I bought i went to uh, when i went through my my uh you know, usual Blu-ray buying or whatever at Best Buy, I saw The Wolf Pack. It's got two movies, The Wolf Cop and Another Wolf Cop in it. Oh, my God. So I bought They have this at Best Buy? They did. So I bought it. I don't know if it's it's on Netflix or not. I bet you can find it, though. (laughs) I could borrow it from you. You I can tell you this. OG recommend Lock is now on Netflix, apparently. I know. It's been an uptick the last couple of days of people on Twitter telling me it was and that they watched it. One guy said, I stopped another movie I was in the middle of watching when Mm. I found out that Locke was on Netflix. I had to watch I popped that in as background the other day. so good. It's a great background movie. It really is. I've watched the movie Doubt 
like three times in the last week, just as background. Really? Uh, I love it. I love it. It is very, very good. I'm going to reference it here in a minute. But my recommend this week is a documentary I'd never heard of until two days ago called Surfwise. Hmm. A lot of what happens, I've told you before, generally if I'm in my office, <clears throat> my TV is on. If it's not Friends reruns or Seinfeld reruns, it's one of the movie channels. And if everything playing is something I've seen a lot or don't like, I will gravitate towards just a new title, something I've not ever seen. And this was playing on IND Network, Independent Film Network hmm. or something. I don't know, IFC, something like that. And it said a documentary. And I was like, well, that's right up my alley. Um, <laughs> but it said something in the description about uh, an alternative an alternative parenting style. And I know that my wife is super into different ways of thinking, uh, different cultures. Um, like she's read um, Mayim Bialik's book, The Girl from Big Bang Theory mm -hmm. and Blossom, who has done some alternative parenting methods. Like she does a method called, what's it called? It's basically her kids sleep with her in the same bed. Hmm. And she's all constantly holding or cuddling them. It's uh, it, it, it patterned after the way gorillas behave, from what I understand. Anyway, knowing my wife is into this kind of stuff, I thought, well, I'll watch a few minutes. And then I, I got hooked. So basically, it's in like the 60s. This guy had been a doctor, decided he was just burnt out. I'm going to live on the beach in a camper like a hippie. Only I'm going to have like a shit ton of kids. And I'm not ever going to put them in school. <laughs> and I'm going to teach them how to surf. And so that's what drew me in was this hippy dippy alternate lifestyle. And there's all this great footage of the kids learning to surf. And uh, I think they had seven kids, maybe. Yeah, more. it looks like it on the on IMDb. There's a lot of people named Paskovitz on here. Yeah, so, that's their last name. So it looks like they've got like six, seven kids here. And maybe and so more. at first it's kind of just like an interesting look at this unique way these kids were brought up. But then they start talking to them as adults in present day and it starts to get bitter. Hmm. Like it's and then it gets really bitter. Like <clears throat> one of the guys says something like most people say you don't swim with sharks because it's dangerous and they send their kids to public school. My dad thought public school was dangerous, but let us swim with sharks every day. <laughs> um, but the, as adults, they begin to lament some of their lack of education, lack of ability to like the one of the brothers says he decided to to like go to college. So he went through like GED stuff. And got to talking with a college advisor who told him he was still roughly 10 to 20 years behind anyone else that would be admitted to that program. Wow. And he gave up. Hmm. Uh, he was crushed. One guy, two of them are musicians. One guy had written a song about his dad. He tells, he tells the camera, I realized one day it was never going to be okay until he was gone. Hmm. And then he plays the song that he recorded that he wrote about his dad. And he turns to the camera and he starts singing along with the lyrics and it's like cringe and i almost turned the channel but within 30 seconds he starts getting really angry huh. and it turns from cringy to like super real emotion wow about how fucked up he feels about the way his dad raised him the movie ends they, they get all bitter and start fighting with each other over money because at some point they start this surfing school and they keep trying to they keep thinking somebody's trying to steal it from them and the, the movie ends with a present day-ish, I think the thing came out in 2007, uh, reunion where everybody agrees to bury the hatchet and come together, I think in Hawaii. Uh, and it's just them hugging and the dad crying. But uh, I left that movie thinking, man, he fucked them up good. And there's wow. no way to unfuck it. And he did it 
for this his own philosophy. I guess he moved around the world. He would look for jobs in towns that hadn't had a doctor for decades, and he would go be the town doctor hmm. in the tiny little town. Oh wow! And you know, fix scrapes and burns, and then go surfing all the time. Huh. Fucking fascinating document. I don't know if it's good. That's interesting. I was riveted, uh, and like. I think most good documentaries, it starts out kind of seeming like one thing and then reveals there's something else underneath. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I, I went and told my wife about it immediately, and then I think I emailed you guys. and Maybe I didn't. I was like, she, she just told me to buy that fucking thing. So I bought it. She's a, It's coming today. She's going to watch it. She's excited about it. You know um, what? That is a documentary. That's a documentary. That's not a Michael Moore type of yeah. thing. Yeah. It's literally, we started out trying to figure out what the story was. Yeah. And once we keep at it, it becomes a different story. And that's how you that's how you know that you're watching a good, realistic portrayal. Because, you know, somebody with a different point of view would go in and say, like, you know what? Let's let's make this all like a happy, heartwarming thing about yeah. a, a a dad and his family and stuff like that and not allow uh, any of the that rage and all that stuff to come. Through. There's another doc that my wife and I are watching to come here called Three Identical Strangers. Have you heard about this? Oh, yeah, that's coming mm -hmm. to the bell court. Soon. Is it? It's, yeah. it's, it's uh, in theaters now, and it's about three identical triplets that were somehow separated at birth and in their high school years discovered each other and were even, like, pre-internet viral famous on, like, talk shows and whatnot. And apparently that's just the first few minutes of the documentary, and there's all this dark shit that happened after. Mm. And I don't know anything about it, but, of course, my wife is like, we're seeing that. As soon as it comes <laughs> to town. That's supposed to, I think it's either tomorrow that that opens oh, awesome. or in that bell court or next week but uh yeah it's uh like uh it starts off all like you know the guy's like yeah um he he said that i was, wa I was walking down the street and somebody called me by this name and he's like you're that guy and, he, and i was like i know somebody who looks exactly like you or whatever and then uh, then he he runs into it. So it's first off, it's people who think they're twins yeah. who are they don't who, even know the third one for a while. Yeah, and then uh, and then uh, some the, the same sort of thing happens. They're all in the same, but I think they're all in the same area though. I think what, yeah. Again, I haven't seen it, but reading about it, I think the third one sees the two on TV. Yeah, <laughs> talking about discovering their <laughs> twin, and he's like, "I'm one too." And, <laughs> anyway, I'm fascinated by that. So that's my recommend. Surfwise, uh -huh. it's pretty short. Uh, I found it pretty fascinating. Uh, my my warn uh, is a movie that I'd never heard of, and it's called Novitiate mm -hmm. or Novitiate. What? Why are you laughing? <laughs> movies that you come up with, man. What? <laughs> I mean, it's great. It's awesome. So this is literally you go deep cuts, man. Melissa Leo is in this, <laughs> and it's about a girl whose mom took her to church to show her how crazy it was. But when the girl grew up, she embraced it and decides to become a nun. Hmm. And with my own upbringing, that was compelling to me. Um, it's actually a little sexier than I realized going in. It's kind of like that Robert Downey Jr. short before <laughs> before Tropic Thunder. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> Satan's Alley. It's kind of like that Alley. with nuns. And Melissa Leo's playing like, I, I, I compare her very much to Meryl Streep in Doubt. That's what my Doubt reference oh, comes okay. from. She's like the super strict nun. And this is during the time of... Uh, some kind of reformation within the Catholic Church in the 60s or 70s where a, a pope had decided um, <clears throat> or the new the new Vatican was what it was called. I think it's a real thing where they announced that priests should no longer stand with their back to the congregation, but turn and face them when they preach. And 
Um, nuns are, are now considered lay people and not holy. And so Melissa Leo's character in this movie is hanging on to the past and she doesn't want to let any of these new Catholic rules take place. Uh, and then the girl from the nice guys who they're trying to find the whole time, they find her in the yellow dress mm -hmm. and then she eventually gets killed. She's the main character here. Hmm. And she goes to nun school. And I guess like the second stage of nunning is called, you're called a novitiate, which is where the title, I didn't know any of this. I'm not Catholic. Um, and she kind of has like a sexual awakening and it feels like the movie's going to go the little hours there for a little bit and just get all like lesbian sexy. And there is like, it's actually nothing graphic. There's one scene of her by herself and another scene where her and this other nun start to kiss and we don't see much more than that. But by the end of the movie, she comes full circle. I'm going to nun it up. I'm, oh, yeah. I want to be I want to be in a relationship with Jesus. Mm. And she's one of the only ones from her whole class of like 24 at the start of the movie that makes it all the way to the end and becomes a full nun. Wow. Anyway, uh, not very good. <clears throat> <laughs> and didn't you know, because it was so extremely Catholic. It sounds which, so intriguing for a bad movie. <laughs> it didn't really even hit any of my preacher's kid buttons like I thought it would. Um and so, yeah, that's my, that's my, I can't really recommend you watch this movie, even like for any reason. Like if you wanted to be titillated, I'd have you watch The Little Hours. If you wanted to. What is The Little Hours? That's the one with Aubrey Plaza and, oh, come on. They're like, it's like a movie that's intentionally R-rated. Alison Brie. Of Alison Brie and Alison Brie's husband, Dave Franco. Mm. There's like lesbian sex and a threesome in that movie. Kate Micucci. Yeah. It's really? Like, it's like a comedy. Huh. Sex R-rated kind of a. Hmm. I definitely don't own a copy of it. <laughs> I definitely won't be watching that after we're done with our podcast today. Um, and then you know, like doubt, like if you if you wanted to like immerse yourself in a Catholic discussion, <laughs> watch just watch doubt. There's not much reason <laughs> I'll to watch make sure this. Sure to avoid this. So there you go. I'm going to go with a similar theme for my recommend, and this is a, a a show that I think both of you would would really get into for different reasons. It's called The Sinner. Have you heard of this? Oh, Senate? yeah, I've heard of this. Oh, this you and Jessica, Jonathan were talking about Jessica this. Jessica Beale, right? Yes. Jessica Beale is the executive producer, and she's the star in the first season. And Bill Pullman is the other, like, uh, main star. Mm -hmm. uh, this is a really good show. Uh, it's got a, a limited run. Weirdly, and I guess shows are, are have already been doing this or are going to do this, it debuted on uh, USA, the network, and Netflix at the same time. Hmm. Huh. Uh, I don't know if Netflix released the entirety of it and then USA just kind of did their regular weekly thing, but it's all out. And in fact, the second season just started, just dropped, I think, uh, a couple of weeks ago or so. Mm -hmm. This is a really good and really complex and a little bit fucked up show. All right. So uh, it, it has a... I'll get to that in a second. <laughs> so it opens, and it's not a spoiler. The, the first episode, uh, Jessica Biel kills a person. Mm -hmm. um, does it very violently and gives herself up to the police. Mm -hmm. After she she kind of goes into this fugue state, and she's like, it kills a stranger. And uh, she admits to it. She says, I did this. Uh, I'm going to plead guilty, all that stuff. Um, is this like law-abiding citizen? <laughs> Man, I <laughs> hope This is so. not like law-abiding citizen. Somehow it's even more fucked up. Okay. Um, and so that's the, the premise of it. And she, one of the detectives that's investigating the case is Bill Pullman. Now, I've never been a big fan of Bill Pullman, the actor. Mm -hmm. He's done, he's had some great roles, zero effect. He's had some, Independence Day is fine. Mm -hmm. I don't get 
into the cut of his jib, though. Mm-hmm. I don't really like how he presents stuff. Spaceballs, same thing. Mm-hmm. This dude is fucking amazing in this show. Huh. Mm-hmm. He is. He's got some affectations, but you can tell it's part of the character. It's not him. And he has some really intense moments where it's unlike I've seen him do anything like mm. Uh, I don't know how that sentence came out of my head, but I, it's unlike anything. I think anything, people know what you mean. <laughs> it's unlike anything I've seen him in. Jessica Biel is fucking amazing in this. Makes in you this wonder show. what's going on, man. Like, uh, and it's, it's been no secret that TV has started to very much distance itself from from movies over the past few years. And I remember seeing something from Paul Schrader who was saying that, like. All my friends are going to TV at this point because mm-hmm. you can't write what you want anymore with movies. Like every, I mean, yeah, you get you get good independent films every once in a while. Every once in a while, a miracle happens and something from the studio is really good. But it's not like it was in the seventies where you could just tell the story that you wanted and not worry about studios interfering and all that. And it's happening with TV shows, mm-hmm. like it seems like every time this like new show comes out and it's like uh you know it's gonna be on this network it's always amazing Mm -hmm. like when you said the center i was like oh is this another fucking series that's amazing (laughs) great (laughs) yeah whereas just i think i've probably said this before but just in the 90s just a handful of years ago the big thing was could you could you break from tv into the movies Mm mm-hmm because yeah. all the Friends well, stars yeah. had their first. George Clooney made the Peacemaker. Yeah, one yeah. fine day. That was uh, that was something I was hearing with. Uh, it was Mila Kunis that was on uh, uh, Mark Maron's podcast, and and she was uh, just she was still in the era where after that '70s show, it was still like a stigma maybe to go to try to go from tv to movies yeah because topher grace didn't do it i mean he did but he didn't do it successfully yeah i mean uh, the only guy who really did it successfully was clooney and it took forever for him to even get traction with that david caruso tried it it didn't work hilariously yes (laughs) um but uh there was always a you know the stigma like like veteran actors would tell young actors never do tv yeah and which is weird because jessica beale started off in seventh seventh heaven mm-hmm. and then jumped uh and then timber laked and then jumped never, back. never was a real big movie star no never was uh, but she's always been solid in stuff that i've yeah, seen yeah yeah summer catch uh summer yeah, catch of course, exactly. summer catch uh but the more i now that pronounce you, you chuck and larry <laughs> what seems like a very straightforward story about her killing the stranger on a beach it's just like, oh, well, I guess that's a, but she may have a traumatic past or whatever that would that would compel her to do this. There's a lot more going on in this. A lot of religious stuff. Hmm. A lot of shit that. There's one scene early. This is why I like this show. There's one scene early on where, in her flashback when she's a, a little girl, um, you could tell that the mom is arguing with the dad, and the mom is is holding the the younger sister in her arms, and the dad says, "Screw it, I'm just going to sleep in uh, her bedroom." And he comes in, and he takes his his shirt off and everything, and he kisses her on the head, and it cuts. This is, I think, in the first episode. And I'm like, man, all right, I know where this is going. You know, it's it may be a character exploration and stuff like that. It's not that. Mm-hmm. It's something completely different and somehow more bizarre than that. Hmm. Uh, but it's fascinating. Hmm. Uh, so I would totally recommend this, both 
Jessica Biel is fantastic, but Bill Pullman is really the mm. the, the the guy that you need to watch. Here. Yeah, and the story you'll you'll think you know where it's going. Second episode, I was like, yeah, all right, well now it made its twist, but I know where it's going. Third episode, same thing. It goes in def- directions that you you just don't expect. This is your sharp objects. By the I way, I was thinking about that a lot. I when was, I was just in this. here two weeks ago talking about how I thought Sharp Objects had spoiled who the killer was, uh-huh. and now I don't give a damn. <laughs> I do not care who the killer is. Oh, I am much more invested in other stuff that's going on. So, uh, in other I'm words, I'm going to be watching Sinner and uh, Sharp Objects <laughs> and and the what the, Shattered Fingers, the Little Hours, right after. All this. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do a quick wreck uh, uh, a warn because while I was waiting for. Uh, for something i guess it was for the video to, to upload or whatever uh, i needed a short movie to watch just to fill the time to kind of get some info on uh, you know this segment and everything and so i was browsing hbo and there's a movie called lady macbeth on there mm-hmm. um looked at it 89 uh 89 minutes had a 90 percent rotten tomato score uh aggregate and the uh the average was really really good too i mean that's that's pretty good pedigree i'm, yeah. I'm down with that uh, it starred nobody that I knew. Florence Pugh plays the the central character, cute as a button. By the mm, way, mm-hmm. absolutely beautiful, beautiful woman. Mm-hmm. the The movie shows her to be something completely different, and so it's it's a story set in rural England back in the the seventeen hundreds or so, and she is married off to a, uh, a a loveless husband just as a piece of property, basically. Um, and so she starts a torrid affair with the, uh, the, the stable boy also seems very straightforward, right? Mm-hmm. This, this movie goes in fucked up directions too, man, mm. and ends in an extremely fucked up situation. It, it's, it's interesting. It's compelling. I am good with watching art movies. I'm wa- good with watching good movies. I'm good with watching movies that take their time. In fact, I want more of that. Mm-hmm. This movie goes for long stretches of nobody doing anything hmm. and it pays off but not enough i don't think hmm. to sit through those long boring nothing is going on if you have this on dvr or something like that just fast forward if it looks like a place where you want to fast forward fast forward <laughs> <laughs> and get to the good parts um is it like the brown bunny where it's like somebody like he's He's like uh, uh, washing his car in real time. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> there's, there's literally, and it's meant. It's there for a reason. There's no score. There was very little score in this. Uh, it's meant to show you her apathy, mm-hmm. um, where she's sitting because she's supposed to be the proper wife. She gets all dressed up and she sits in the sitting room mm-hmm. while her husband goes off and does stuff. And she's not allowed to fall asleep. She's allowed to basically just sit there in case anybody comes by. And it will show you her sitting for minute stretches that will feel long. Wow. And that's why it's a wreck of warm because this is a good movie. Everything's framed perfectly. It's like a Wes Anderson movie. Mm-hmm. Everything is gorgeously shot. It sounds like almost uh, kind of like how Ghost Story played a little mm. bit. Uh, there's this sort of this, I don't know if it's a movement or not. Maybe, I mean, maybe it's just, I don't know. But like uh, Ghost Story is 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 pretty short but there are long stretches of just mm. you know people sitting there and yeah. doing nothing yeah. and like and it and it really does create a mood i don't know though if that works for something like lady macbeth yeah and what is you, it really is it following anything macbeth at all a little bit okay. a little bit and i i won't say much more 
Is it almost like uh, a, a a slower Rosencrantz and Guildenstern? Gilders- <laughs> no, not anything like What's that. What's funny it's is really I flipped related. by this last night and didn't even look at it to read the description. I just assumed it was a retelling of Macbeth from his wife's. Main yeah, point no, of, it's point of it's not. It's it's a different thing. There there are parallels. There are uh, things interwoven, uh, but it's not based on the the play or anything hmm. like that. Uh, I get witch vibes, the Vivich mm-hmm. vibes. Yeah. Um, what else did I see in there? It was uh, well in that Phantom Thread. Man, there's a little bit of that oh, in there. Oh yeah. Hmm. Well, and, and Macbeth has the famous uh, famous no, witch the witches. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Doesn't have any actual supernatural stuff in uh. this. But man, now that I keep talking about it. It's it's probably worth a look. Just know that there's going to be stretches in there that that may drag. Mm. Uh, I'm assuming we don't have enough time. Shockingly, for questions. <laughs> As we do. Well, you know, we had so much to talk about concerning our grocery needs. That's right. Well, so, we did just do an episode entirely of questions. That's true. We did. That's true. We did. That's true. Uh, so, yeah, these questions will once again have to be sidelined, yep. and we'll, we'll answer them sometime, I think. <laughs> sometime. Uh, uh, but uh, keep, keep them coming. We will get to them eventually. Yeah. Uh, you can reach us on stuff like Sincast presented by Cinema Sins on Facebook, uh, SoundCloud. There's a Twitter page. There's Reddit. There's a million different ways. We got some interesting news coming up. Uh, stay mm-hmm. tuned. In the next episode, we'll tease at least one big fun thing coming up, yes. and maybe two. Yeah, maybe a couple. Yeah, yeah. Some some big things coming up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, that'll do it for this week. It's Chris Atkins and Jeremy Scott and Barrett Share. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit cinemasins.com. We got other fish to fry. We got other Alicia's to Vikander. We got other bish to bish swish. <laughs> Probably going to be like five attendants in the men's room. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, one handing you toilet paper. One to one hold one... your dick. One to hold. <laughs> it's great because you've got like a handle. <laughs> the fact that I'm not Instagramming this right now is insane. Oh, is this the Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle? Yes. Yeah. I like that movie. I do too. Until the last 30 minutes, and then I'm just like, ah, it's any goofy CGI action movie. Mm -hmm. But I was reading, I did not know that uh, Kazdan made that movie. Mm -hmm. Um, Jake. Jake. And I guess he was talking about the sequel, and they're still kind of working out what they're going to do. But the writer of the interview threw out the idea that it'd be the same kids in real life playing the game. And the same avatars, but they're all using different avatars this time. Oh, nice. So all the actors, Jack Black and The Rock and Kevin Hart, will get to play a different teenage trope or what have you. So like Kevin Hart could be the girl this time in the man's body and The Rock could be, I don't know, yeah, the Jack Black. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That'd be be fun. I I think Jack Black should make a comeback, like a real comeback. Mm-hmm. Get into who knows more maybe of a before that can happen. He needs to do his serial killer guest appearance on Criminal Minds. <laughs> yep, because that's a rite of passage. I guess so. Who else has done that? Everyone, really? Yes. 
Like I have this weird fascination with this show. I can't You're stop still watching, watching it. it. Yes. Is it? It's on like Sundance or something like that. Multiple channels run marathons all the time, and and it's terrible. It's awful. It's just rote bullshit. I could write in my sleep. I keep toying with the idea of writing a spec script. You should. Every single time they cut to any one of them with their real life at home, husband, child, what have you, it gets robotic as fuck. Uh. But anyway, Jason Alexander is the first one that comes to mind. Uh. Um, but Amy Madigan, uh, all kinds of famous people, uh, Carradine, uh, dozens of famous people have done the played the serial killer. Interesting. Like Dean Cain. Dean Cain? Yeah. I'm telling you, it's a rite of passage. <laughs> mm-hmm. You just don't watch that but show. This is the one about FBI profilers, right? Yes. Okay. But most mostly sex crimes. It's probably not going to be that clock buried in the walls movie or whatever the fuck it's called. No, and I loved that book so much growing up. I loved that. I forget the the author's name, but I read all of his shit. Oh yeah. And it's weird because the character in the book, I always I read those things obsessively. The uncle in that, I I always pictured as like a Doc Brown type of mm. character, like long and lanky, crazy hair, and all that stuff. And so Jack Black p- playing him is like. Tom Cruise playing Jack Reacher, basically. Yeah. Like what are we talking about? The House of the Clock in, in its Walls. I'm, this is brand new information to me. Is this a movie that's coming out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's next month. It's like a kid's horror fantasy, like an R.L. Stein type of thing. And Jack um, Black's in it? Jack Black's in it playing Even though uncle. he's doing Goosebumps too, as well? Mm-hmm. This sounds like a Goosebumps imitation. It looks like a Goosebumps imitation. Now, this book, I don't remember being... It, it was like a lot about the mystery and a lot about like... You know, the, the history of the family and stuff like that is really fascinating. It wasn't because I read Goosebumps, too. Those didn't really interest me all that much. So but I think they're making the movie to look like Goosebumps. Did you ever read the Hardy Boys? All the time. Yeah. Well, new generation. That shit. New generation or old generation? I read I read uh, two versions of it. One was the 60s or yeah, something yeah. like that. That's the one I read. And, and one was those blue colors. Those, yeah, then there was those like ones that w- they were they were looked like they were just trying to churn out Hardy Boys because oh, yeah. it was like 47, yeah. you know. <laughs> I think I had at one point on my bookshelf I had like two shelves devoted to those little blue uh, uh trade paperbacks. Yeah, the uh the the uh mystery series that I got in most though was th- the three investigators. I never read that. Those were great. Really? Yeah. That that is to this day the only time I've read a book like in a in a in a sitting. Huh. Was uh was reading a three investigators and I had like uh, about 18 or 19 of those books. How old were you? Uh I was probably 11, 12, somewhere around there. Somewhere I can get uh, my boy into? I think so. Yeah. Jupiter Jones is the is the main is the main guy. Interesting. Which was what was funny about uh Jupiter ascending cuz uh Mila Kunis plays a character named Jupiter Jones. Ah, oh, nice. And nice. I think we even put in a three investigators joke in there, <laughs> like for the five people <laughs> who would know it. I actually put a flash drive in my pocket, the only flash drive I had at home, and then changed my pants this morning. Uh, <laughs> it's, it used to bother me so much. Yeah. Because, you know, you would put an article out and there'd be like these people, and you got to realize that those are like a minute amount of mm-hmm. people. Yeah. They're just they're tiny little wasteoid fuckheads that they have are. nothing else to do. I agree. Wasteoid fuckheads? That's, That's right. right. I like that. We, <laughs> we should put that on a shirt. Wasteoid fuckheads. Or just at least write that into a sin somewhere. I watched Call Me By Your Name the other day. It's all right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I struggle to see exactly why it got that much. I praise. have no idea. The, the subject was, matter is uncomfortable to me. 
The scenery is gorgeous. Stuhlbarg is really it. good. Maybe that's it. Army Hammer yeah, is, is good. It's, it's good performances, and it's uh, you know a, a sort of an adult, even though he's seventeen. But like it's an adult relationship, and it's uh, you know it's set in a time, of course. It's the only time you can really set it, apparently, mm-hmm. where you know it's you know they they there's a sort of a danger to it and everything. Yeah, it's an okay movie. It's not anything that's just like oh my god, I got to watch that over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I all think, right. I think the one time is enough for me. Is it called Dog Days? It came out then. Dog Days. It came out this week. It, yeah, it, came, it came out, out today. This past, yeah, um, it came out today. So Ken Marino directed this. What? That's weird. Who's there. that? Ken Marino's like a David Wayne regular. He's the guy in fucking uh, Wet Hot American Summer. And he's like always. He's the, he's the guy who's, who claims that he banged a whole bunch of chicks. And Oh, okay. Unless this is a different Ken Marino. That'd be so weird if he's the guy directing this. <laughs> oh, it's him! Wow. Uh, he also did how to do how to how to uh... <laughs> shit. How to train your dragon? <laughs> yeah, how to train your dragon. <laughs> uh, how to be a Latin lover? Oh, really? Yeah, he did. How that. to succeed in business without really trying? Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he did that too. Interesting. Um, I guess he's just uh, trying to expand his, his uh, good for him, man. Yeah. He's funny. Maybe he loves dogs. 